2: Hello everybody, it is Wednesday, May 21st, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Party! And on the line with Miss Stephanie Cook. Hello! And we are without Mr. Bob Ryer uh. this week. This is the first time, I've got to say, I don't even know, I'd have to look back and see the episodes, but whatever the first episode Bob was a regular on, It has ne- he has never missed a show. He hasn't. Since that day. Um, so this is the first time that Bob will have missed a show. Uh, he was feeling really, really under the weather. He still wanted to come. And I basically told him, you cannot come. You need to rest and take care of yourself. You made the executive and right decision. I did. I did Because Bob is one of the nicest people and best people you'll ever meet in your entire life. And he would have come just because he's a really great guy and didn't want to like let anybody down or, or anything like that. Yeah. Or shirk responsibility. But he told me that he tried to cu- pour a cup of water and then almost... Collapsed because he was so dizzy. Yeah. So I said, eh, you should probably stay home. Well, he's got crazy vertigo. Yeah. 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 So he. So he, he's at home. He. We. We may give him a call on Skype at some point to okay, talk nice. a little. Talk a little bit about the. Um, the new Wonder Woman comic they announced mm-hmm. uh, and- with uh, Gail Simone as writer and Ethan Van Driver as artist for the first uh, story uh, on that one. But we'll talk to him ab- about that. And you
3: know he'll be listening. So oh, he Bob, will. get better.
2: Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, Stephanie you were back though you weren't here last week um, Wasn't You I um, You went to a con this weekend right?
3: I did I went to uh, a, a small con In Minneapolis called Spring Con Run by the Midwest Comic Book Association um, It was held At like the Minneapolis fairgrounds here Not even like a convention center There's a convention center At the fairgrounds um, And I set up tables with Bill Willingham And uh, Adam Hughes and we just kind of hung out this weekend the first day was so cold though oh my god they had like i don't know it seriously was like sub-zero and i was like my fingernails were blue it was so cold and you know i'd go outside to be like warm sun unfreeze (laughs) me oh my god help me wow gives you the accent and everything yeah yeah so it was so ridiculous but it was it was a really great show you know there was there wasn't like a, like all of the kind of big names were local, except for Adam and Allison, who were kind of just, they loved the show, so they came up, um, but you know, like Dan Jergens was there, uh, uh, Peter Kraus was there, um, let me see, Amy Reeder was there, but she she's actually where you guys, so she did travel yeah. mm-hmm. a little bit, um, she's in New York, I got a Rocket Girl shirt, and some prints. Nice. And a Rocket Girl sketchbook. What? Oh, nice. Yeah. Bill was really upset because I got the last one. (laughs) They didn't have
0: those on free comic book day.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So they're really cool. Honestly, she just this is the first show she's had the Mm t-shirts. And they're amazing. I posted a photo. It's not a very good photo. But um, if if she's at one of your shows, um, and I believe they're going to start selling them online. So you should look out for them because they're really awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. Let me see. Who else was there? I'm trying to think of other... Uh, the, Jeff Parker, yes, who I, I have an interview with. Yeah. I did, you know, usually at the bigger shows, I don't always have time to kind of sneak off and talk to some of the people there, and especially since they don't really have the time to necessarily stop and talk because people are always coming to their booth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a bit of a slower show, and I was able to do a nice little like twenty-five-ish minute interview with Jeff.
2: Yeah, and you'll hear that later on in this show. So.
3: Yes. I'm I'm right really excited slash nervous. It's like my first solo <laughs> interview. That's
2: right. So I listened to you know, like five to ten minutes of it. And you did fine. You did good. Woohoo. Um <laughs> Uh keeping it a little bit conversational, uh we had a, we did have a listener question asked, he said he just this is from Richard on Facebook and he said, I just went to Motor City Comic Con this weekend and had some fantastic interactions with some artists and writers. Mm-hmm. Uh through your con experiences, who have been your favorites you had to deal with? Or you have dealt with, not you ha- you've had to deal with. <laughs> I had to talk to this person and it was horrible. Um, so Stephanie, what about you gone to a lot of cons and you have kind of the other side of it. Cause you're often working them. Uh, you're yeah. not, you're not just um, attending them as a, as a, fa- as a fan at all. Yeah. So who are some of the people that you've really liked running into and, and talking to and hanging out with?
3: Um, again, like I am behind the scenes. So, you know, I get to talk to people, but I don't ever fault anyone for not necessarily remembering me. Cause they, they usually want to talk to Bill and Bill will introduce me. But again, I don't really fault them for, you know being like yeah 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 Steph (laughs) um but I think honest to god one of the nicest people I've ever met you know and was just like a treat to talk to and always to meet again is Scott Snyder um you know like I met him at a show and Bill introduced me and he's he always makes you feel like you're like the most important person in the world when he's talking to you (laughs) because like it's eye contact and he doesn't just be like hi and then move on like he'll how are you how's your day like he <laughs> always makes you feel like so special and important and um you know after the first the first time I met him I I ran into him again and he like came up and gave me like a big hug and was like stuff how are you <laughs> and like I, I was like so baffled that he remembered who I was and he was just like how are things how's working with Bill how's the show oh my god and he's just like the nicest and he always remembers and you know um the people at dc comics have nicknamed him the nicest guy in comics because he remembers everyone's name and he makes it a point to you know not be a dick to any of them and just like be a really great guy Hmm. so he's probably one of the nicest people and one of the coolest that i've ever met at a show and continue to meet at a show at shows
2: yeah uh, yeah he is he's awesome um joshua williamson was really awesome i interviewed him this past new york comic con Mm. he was really cool he just like he kind of hung out a little bit before the interview hung out a little bit after it we talked about like random ass stuff he's just a really really cool guy but most of the time most people you meet like are are, with a few exceptions are are, even if they can't like talk to us often often we're going up to them asking for something you know we're like hey can you take time out of Getting money from other people to talk to us, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, sometimes people can't talk to you because they have a ton of the ton of stuff to do. They have a line or whatever. But ninety nine point nine percent of the people, even if they can't talk to you, are incredibly gracious and, mm-hmm. and nice. It's cool just to get to talk to those people, you know, and, and put a face to the names that you see, you know, on the on the covers uh, of those books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. There was, I mean, I'm not going to name any names because uh, that's just stupid. But we, there was one artist at the last Comic Con who just. He kept saying we we could do an interview with him, and told us to come back. And every time we came back, he would tell us that you do it a little bit later, and then he'd always be gone like for the day. Whenever he told oh us my. to come back, so that was a little bit annoying. I'd rather just a no, yeah. you, you know, just no, I can't do it, or a no, I don't feel like it. Totally fine. Um, but like I said, that's the that's the exception that proves the rule of all the people there. Most right. people
3: are really nice. Yeah. Like I, I find that anyone who's kind of um, short with you or curt in any way. Uh, There's some people, there's exceptions, and they're just straight-up asshats. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) most of the time, it's, you know, nerds and geeks. We're socially awkward and anxious people. Mm -hmm. And I find that, you know, a lot of the times, it's not necessarily um, you or them. It's just kind of the anxiety that gets to them. Yeah. Um, So you kind of have to remember that, too. Like, if you ever think anyone's a jerk, it's usually not necessarily them just kind of anxiety
2: yeah i mean i know when brian was helping us out he got to meet walt simonson and (gasps) at the comic guy, and he was like he was like the nicest guy
3: (laughs) him and his wife they're like scott you know like Mm -hmm. they always try to remember people Mm -hmm. like he's another one who went out of his way after meeting me like for like two seconds to be like and he wasn't rude he was like I know I know you. I know you work with Bill. I don't remember your name and I apologize, but I just wanted to say hi and let you know that I like remember you and I wanted to see how you were. <laughs> and I was like, that's very nice. That's really cool of you. Yeah, it is very very cool. Hmm.
0: See what about you? Who are some of the the folks? Some of my favorite folks from Comic-Cons uh have got to be the folks from 44 Flood. Um mm. uh, between uh Casper Gambari, Metton, and uh Ben Temple-Smith, Dave Stupakis, Kelly Eves, uh, that whole that whole group have just really embraced. Anytime that I see them, they're overly friendly, introduce me to all sorts of people, invite me to after parties, invite me out to drinks and stuff. And uh, they're just an incredible bunch. Mm. But um, aside from them, I, I really enjoyed meeting Becky Clunan. Mm. Uh, she's wonderful. And, and once she realized, like I reminded her of who I was, she was totally just like beaming with like, hi, how you mm-hmm. doing? She found me later in the con and just made me made me feel special for the time that I was mm-hmm. hanging out around her. Um, Agnes Garboska is lovely. Uh, Stephanie Hans was a great interview. We hung out a little bit after uh, the interview, and she's just super nice. Uh, of course, Kelly Sue DeConnick, meeting mm-hmm. with her and, and and hanging out with her and Bob for a while was a nice time. And I mean, generally, there's... I won't name names. There's been like maybe one person that I've had a, a sour experience with since we started doing this. Um, what I've found in general is that if you're appreciative and and not pushy, you know, like the, we are press, mm-hmm. uh, this, you know, as far as like the badge is concerned. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's all in the approach and they recognize that. And a lot of them are just genuinely great people and comic book fans yeah you know and i mean i think you would have to enjoy that aspect of of comics to get your name out there and be at these cons uh for the most part because those are your those are your people mm-hmm. you know yeah so generally uh,
2: it's been awesome yeah uh i remember uh, this past one. i sat down as the last day and i was walking around the artist alley kind of getting some last minute interviews and i talked to ed brisson mm-hmm. um it's always good to talk to writers in ours alley because they generally aren't doing very much.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, they generally have more time to talk. And he was awesome. He was a really nice guy. And uh, Stephanie had uh, Stephanie reviewed me with uh, Michael Walsh, who is mm-hmm. he's also incredibly nice, just, mm-hmm. just oh super nice dude. He's
3: like one of the nicest people on the planet. <laughs> I adore Michael Walsh so much.
2: Yeah, uh, he's doing the art on Secret Avengers right now. Oh, cool. Not
3: talented at all.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, great. Yeah, it was really really awesome. So that's generally the, the rule. I think that people. If for the most part, as long as Steve said, as long as you're respectful, um, it, and you go in with a positive attitude with them, generally they'll react in that way. Yeah. Sometimes they'll be really busy and won't have time to talk, but that's just kind of what happens. You know, you have to respect the fact that they're there to to get their names out there and to make into make money. So can I have one more? Yeah, absolutely. Dan slot. Oh, okay. That Dan awesome.
0: Slot, and he was amazing on every front. He was on his way back to his hotel room to write Superior Spider Man. <laughs> And took, like, a good 15 minutes or so with Rob and I. And basically, like, laid out the groundwork for Superior Spider-Man for the both of us. I was, like, sharing notes with us and stuff. Because he's like, all right, you guys are the last ones I'm going to talk to today. So you get to know everything. We were like, yes. Uh, super, super sweet man, though.
1: Yeah.
2: Awesome. Awesome. So we'll get to more listener questions uh, later later in the show. Uh, also, just so you guys know, if you guys are big Arrow fans, um, after the theme song plays for, for the show... We're going to do a little uh, spoilery arrow talk. We're going to, talk about the finale and kind of our impressions of the season, maybe a little bit as well. So that'll be after the seems theme song play. So if you don't watch arrow or you're not caught up, you don't have to worry. We're not going to spoil it in, in the middle uh, of the show, but I anyway, know we had a few people asking about us talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, of course, Bob is, is not here. Um, and Stephanie has been busy, busy, busy. So Stephanie, didn't get to read uh, many books this week. So we're going to really keep the book of the week just to Steve and I for, for right now. Um, so we're going to do uh, our lightning round. Steve, are you ready to do lightning round? I am ready to do my lightning round. All right, here we go. Lightning round, go. Okay, so first year
0: of New York City Comic Con. Uh, usually at the end of the con third day, a lot of the um, shops and such that are around the con will have sales. And I picked up on a whim, Hack slash, first cut. It's a volume one uh, from DDP. I have no idea who they are aside well, Tim from. Tim Seeley part. is one of the. Right, yeah. Well, Tim, it's um, for the first story, it's uh, Tim Seeley with art by Stefano Caselli. All right. And further along, anyway, <laughs> um, oh, here we are. It's uh, again, it's Tim Seeley with, oh boy, Federica Manfredi. Oh, oh the publisher is DDP is what you're saying? Yes. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, so the setup for Hack Slash is the daughter of what they call slashers. If you want to think of Michael Myers, Pinhead, all of those guys, this series or this this book treats them as if they were real people and they existed and they were real killers in the world. This girl, Cassie Hack, is the daughter of a, a, a former slasher named The Lunch Lady, who also happened to be her mother. Who, when Cassie was in school, would be picked on constantly by kids, and eventually they started to disappear because they would end up in the, you know, special meat of the week for uh, for the cafeteria. <laughs> and Cassie ended up basically having to, uh, you know, defeat her own mother in a mission to right the wrongs of that situation. Cassie has taken it upon herself to hunt other slashers, a la Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Slasher Slayer. Uh, along with this big galoot named Vlad, who she thought was a slasher and found out was just like this misshapen hulk of a man uh, who is kind of like the Lenny to her George of, of Mice and Men. <laughs> and uh, the book is really cool. It's got three different stories in it. It's got like a pet cemetery, like, you know, psycho pet invasion going on. It's got a spring break slasher story. And in a really fun twist, it's got a Comic-Con slasher story that features Scotty Young, uh, Robert Kirkman, and Steve Niles as themselves, (laughs) like all at a Comic-Con. And they, one by one, start dying because of a book that they're working on and a crazed fan doesn't like the direction. Feels like he's Mm going to screw it up. So um, it's got like a really fun B-movie style slasher flick uh, comic book feel to it. Uh, it doesn't offer much in the way of death of the killers and the victims, but you're not—it's not really why you're reading it. Uh, the chemistry between Cassie and Vlad is really fun, and I actually really want to look for more uh, after this. And it's got a lot of '70s and '80s horror film nods to
2: it as well. Awesome, yeah, awesome. It's a good time. T- nice, ten seconds. Yeah, you're getting better. I am. You're getting better. Lightning round. <laughs> lightning round. Um, so for me, I'm gonna start my lightning round here, right now so it's funny lightning round this week it's really all a lot of the books i read i felt like could have gone into the lightning round because i just mm-hmm. i wasn't super jazzed really about anything i read this week a lot of good stuff just a lot of stuff that really i was crazy for um uh ghost rider number three all new ghost rider number three uh i still think this book is awesome a ton of fun yeah uh crazy the art by tradmore is is unbelievable uh, i really like robbie reyes the main character i think he's a really really good uh, main character uh all new x-men number 27 where we see uh the the new brotherhood the one from the future uh reattacking the uh young, basically it's the uncanny x men scott summers school mm-hmm. um we also start to learn where they came from and uh, you know in the present day how they got to the point where they were yeah there was some crazy stuff revealed in that book was i was I was like oh, another issue of all new x men and then crazy 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 yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy, yeah, some really awesome displays of powers by gene and, and, and stuff and scott um really, really great moments uh the art by Stuart. Immonen is just unbelievably gorgeous. Mm. Um, he just does the X-Men so, so well. And Brian Bendis, I think, you know, I, I've fallen off a lot of the other X books, uh, but I've kept up with uncanny and, uh, all new. And yeah, those I think, are mine. yeah. And I think they're just both great. And we had have listener ask actually, he asked me personally, like on, on the boards, like what X-Men books to read. And I said, read those two because they're going to, you're going to get the most out of them. And they've been the most consistent. I feel like th- throughout, mm-hmm. um, afterlife with archie number five which is the end of this first arc this escape from riverdale arc and what started out was i saw this i think it was the week the week of new york comic-con actually the first issue uh came out and we we read it and like oh it's it's you know um it's francesco francaviglia really really cool oh it's it's zombie with in, in the archie world oh it's gonna be so funny right and what we've gotten is five issues of like awesome serious Really well written, beautifully drawn and illustrated stories about these classic characters who are shown in a whole new light here. You know, kept true to their form but shown in a more, uh, I think, adult light and, and just taken another way for for one of one of these stories. Um, I feel like this issue is not as emotionally uh, crazy as the last one, which was it was a, just a ridiculous how emotional it was, mm. but it was still awesome uh, uh and we get the sense of what the building to the next arc is going to be and where they end up in the in the issue i didn't really expect where, where they're going to be and what they're going to be doing from here on out uh i think it's going to really change the game for 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 that series um and i want to say quickly batman eternal i finally i read all of i caught up on it and yep. i think it's good it's crazy it's weird which it I is weird which i like i like that at least it's doing something different um, and we got a, we got a bunch of Stephanie Brown in one of the issues, so mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. Um, her her villain father, so they're keeping all of that kind of intact, which I thought was pretty cool. So that is my lightning round.
0: Did you know that Archie announced a Sabrina
2: series, much in the vein of Afterlife with Archie today? Yeah, I know. I heard about this. This, uh-huh. is, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> 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 did they announce a team for it? Do you know?
0: They did. I uh, don't. I don't remember the names. I'll they were names up. that I was unfamiliar with, but yeah, they the cover is up. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, it looks, it looks sweet. It's, it's got a little bit more of a, like a playful vibe to the, like the foreground art, but mm. the background art very much has that creepy, uh, afterlife with Archie, dark woods, dark magic kind of thing going Oh yeah, going she's, on.
2: uh, she's looking like a badass on the cover. Yeah. Um.
3: Oh, this is Andrew Peepoy did the cover. Oh, cool.
2: Um. Yes. So, uh. Looking at it now. Yeah. So that's cool. I mean, that's awesome. I think that, I think diversifying kind of their line of books is only going to help them. You know, keeping those classic Archie books, but also introducing kind of these other ones. Mm-hmm. I think is a good idea. They got me. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who look. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, the classic Archie. The more kind of, uh, um, I don't want to say cheesy is always like a pejorative word, but it, it it's cheesy in like a great way. You know, it's cheesy in a way that's it, it's aimed for a certain audience, and I think it that needs to be there. But as a as a you know, it's as like, an older comic book reader, I don't really I can't really get invested in reading, mm-hmm. let's say, multiple issues. Like I could pick up an issue and go, Oh, that's really cute and then but then not have the feeling to go back. Or something like this, like I love the characters, I think it's awesome, and I want to keep reading it.
0: Well, it's really I mean, they're very safe, right? They're kind mm-hmm. of like leave it to beaver mm-hmm. safe. I don't know if that tone is carried out throughout the years, but I don't imagine they would have changed it. That's if they still have readers and that book is still selling and still going off the shelves in supermarkets and stuff, mm. it's because the people that loved it all those years ago are still invested in it.
3: Yeah. Well, I think they get in a lot of really, really, really strong messages. Um, you know, like you think it's kind of just like, oh, which one's he gonna choose, Betty or Veronica? <laughs> like all the time. But I mean, they do. I mean, I remember reading as a kid. There was one and this was before, like, you know, gas prices were ridiculous, but there was this whole story about, you know, everyone hangs out and Archie drives around in his old jalopy, and the whole story dealt with what happens if gas gets so expensive that they can't go walk, go around in the old jalopy, like, what do they do, how do they hang out, like, what happens to the world, like, when gas is too much that they can't just have fun and all this, and I was like, "This is heavy." <laughs> <laughs> Eight-year-old me was like, "What?" <laughs> like, shit just got real. What does happen? Yeah,
2: I Archie know they've dealt with other the things. Future. They've dealt with other big issues. Like I know they interest a gay character, and they dealt with. I know, I know they've dealt with like teen pregnancy and, and stuff school like that. Shootings and mm. stuff too. School shootings, I think, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Archie's intense, guys.
2: <laughs> like you don't know. <laughs> I think that they like. Like I said, I think that they do a very good job of that. You know, it's sort of. Th- there were those shows that we had when we were kids that we used to watch that would deal with bigger issues, even though they were really, they were, you know, they're aimed at us as kids. They would deal yeah. with bigger stuff because they, kn- cause there were certain shows that knew, and I'm good artists and creators that knew that you needed to know about this stuff. You needed to deal with this stuff because kids need <laughs> to know about it. And I think <laughs> Archie does <laughs> like the same you thing. You can
3: prevent forest fires. I'm getting yeah.
0: like crazy flashbacks to family matters or, right. <laughs> or Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when
2: everybody was turning in the guns. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> But even stuff like that—that's like dealing with real issues and kind of a very silly and kind of in a, a silly show. But they, and even like you mentioned, Fresh Prince of Bel Air—they did stuff on yeah. that show about like dealing with being an adopted kid, you know, or dealing yeah. with your father leaving you or whatever. There was like some yeah. really powerful stuff in that show that dealt with that stuff. Uh, Family matters. Uh, Laura when she went to school, the race, racism
0: stuff yeah. on her locker. Yeah, yeah, that was heavy.
2: So I I feel like like as I said those books that Art that Archie Comics puts out are in inv- vital. They're vital mm-hmm. to to I think. People of all generations, but as someone who's you know generally learned those lessons already, you know because of entertainment like that, I it's cool that we have these other books to read, yeah. you know as well.
3: I also learned from The Little Mermaid that <laughs> you know you shouldn't put your elbows on the table and things, and you shouldn't brush your hair with forks. And
2: I know. Saved so by the Bell don't take messages. too many notos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm so excited. Jesse is she's really showing you. And I just
0: can Oh my god.
2: <laughs> I still remember. I still remember that episode. That's how hey, everybody remembers yeah. that. That is a
0: classic. Uh, like if there was a top ten list of you know lessons learned episodes from that time period, that would definitely be in the top three. Uh, yeah.
3: I think like the rest of them would be like Degrassi.
2: Yeah, probably. Oh god, Degrassi. Every single episode. That's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yep. You guys said that every episode up in Canada because my because uh, Karen has been watching it, she was yeah. rewatching it. She loves that show. Yeah. and it, and I watch it. I'm like every single episode is like this is like a the a more yeah. you know. Message.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I had like um, it, it's I live really close to the school where it's filmed. And fun fact, Drake yeah was on Degrassi. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's a fan of Drake, and I think the guy who's an orphan black, the guy who plays Felix, was also in Degrassi. Ooh. Really think yeah but yeah like a guy took me there he's like look at I look at this and I didn't watch Degrassi I'm like why are we at a high school this is weird <laughs> this is so weird <laughs> but it turned out it was Degrassi
2: I'm pretty sure I was I was watching an episode and I think I saw Stephen Amell on one of the episodes as well.
3: Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, he's a Canadian. I know actor. Kevin Smith's like a huge fan of Degrassi. He,
2: he is, he's a huge fan. They did like a like <laughs> a, a movie with them. Yeah. 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 Crossover. Yeah, a crossover with them. It's pretty it was pretty entertaining. Um yeah, he was like in love with the uh, I can't remember the girl's name, like the one of the girls from the original show.
3: Oh Nina Dobrev, maybe?
2: It might have, no, no, no 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 she was also in it. Yeah she's in vampire diaries, right? No, I'm talking about like original, like way back like eighties degrassi like he was like in love with like that when he was like a teenager in love with like uh-huh. that actress and then he got to like make out with her on the show when he, <laughs> when he did it so it was like a big thing uh <laughs> wow yeah uh, so that's enough of our, our canadian history <laughs> uh let's do our let's do our uh, our book of the week here steve yeah you were very surprised when i read this book off i was shocked last week. <laughs> i was shocked when uh
0: when you read it out and i didn't know about it because uh I'm uh, Royden's a a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we, we know each other from online, we know each other from cons, and uh, I'm just, I'm usually up to date with this stuff. And this one slipped by me. Yeah. And so here it was uh, Royden Leps, for those who don't know, uh, the third volume in his uh, Rust series came out. It's called Death of the Rocket Boy. Uh, All, all stuff aside, by serious, you know, review face and whatnot, this is my favorite. Volume of the series so far. Uh, I'm trying to, to describe it. A boy, a boy shows up on a farm, and he's got a jetpack strapped to his back. He's looking for work. Uh, you get the sense that he's he's looking to hide out from wherever he's been, and he's taken in by this family that needs his help, and he kind of becomes a part of their way of life by helping them around uh, the farm and whatnot. And but. Jet, the main character, knows that eventually his past is going to catch up with him. Uh, Three volumes in, this is the volume where we learn about that past Mm. and where we learn about who he is, why he is the way he is, and from the very start of this volume, he is dying. And what are we going to do if all hell is about to rain down and the one person who can stop it uh, can no longer function? And that's what this is all about. This is a really, really, really heavy-hitting, very emotional volume to the story. Uh, It deals with a lot of themes about guilt, uh, about where he was, what happened, and he feels responsible for this, this tragedy that happened, and he keeps asking why. He doesn't understand why what happened happened. It's not supposed to be able to happen. And, you know, we've all heard that story about, you know, you're special, you're the one, so on and so forth. Uh, It does turn out that Jet is different from the other people that are in his line of work. And we find out why. And when you do, it's a very, very significant moment. Um, If you've never seen the Rust series before, it's done in this kind of like photographic sepia tone all throughout. And one of my absolute favorite things about this series and has been from the beginning is there are pages upon pages of silent panel stuff going on. And, you know, there's been some questions about silent panels in in the last couple of months about, you know, whether it's a it's a waste and can they tell a story? I'm telling you unequivocally, yes, they can. Because so much of this book plays out like this beautiful, dusty, like Dust Bowl era silent film, a la like the Rocketeer kind of stuff. And it is gorgeous, it is emotive, and perhaps even more so than if there were words everywhere. Um, But there is plenty of dialogue uh, throughout the book and lots of explanations as to uh, where we are in the story so far. I do recommend if you're looking to check it out that you purchase uh, Volumes 1 and 2. You'll have a a much firmer grasp on what's going on. You can definitely check out Volume 3 and get a feel for the story and for the vibe of the book and see if you want to check out the rest. Um, But if you want to have the whole picture, I highly recommend investing in Volumes 1 and 2. They are just as good, but this one has taken the story to new heights. And where it leaves you off is one of those like fists clenched in the air shut the book and like no like i just it's probably going to be a whole another year before we get to see how this all ends volume four is the last one and i'm already like biting the bottom of my lip i want to know um so just yeah a really great story you know people want us to recommend graphic novels to them check out and
2: lepp's rust series uh it's beautiful awesome yeah awesome um so my book of the week uh the united states of murder inc which is uh brian michael bendis and michael avon oming uh it's an icon uh title so it's kind of marvel's creator imprint um this is the same team that created powers so and michael avon oming also does uh the victories um, on his own for, mm-hmm. for dark horse so you know i didn't know really what to expect but I love Brian Michael Bendis. So I was like, "Yeah, you know, I'll pick it up and see. I'm sure that it will come out once every 18 months. <laughs> like brilliant comes out because Good Lord. you know, the kind of rule for icon, if people don't know is that it, the creators only get to work on these books when, when they finish their Marvel work on time. Hmm. So they have to get that done and then they can work on, on these books. It's kind of the contract, I guess for them owning the properties and stuff like that. Um, so, uh the United states of murder rank is the story about a young man who uh becomes a made man in the mob and gets sent down on a mission to basically bribe a senator um in washington d c Now it sounds very plain and normal, but it 's kind of a alternate alternate future kind of thing where basically the mob never got broken up and never got taken down, hmm. so it basically owns like it controls like the top half of the United States almost. Like the eastern Whoa. the northeast of the United States basically. Um is is what it is what it seems like here. And they basically run it. There's no there's no one to break them up. There's no law to take them out. They run it. They own it. Hmm. Um it's almost like the United States ceded the territory to them and they call it the territories. Because he makes a big deal when he has to go to Washington, DC that he's never left the territories before. Okay. Um and he's wearing this pin on his on his on his jacket that says he's a made man, which means everything when he's in the territories but when they're going down into the into dc they said you know the the person who's with them is take it off because it, that is an arrest me pin right you know you're not in safety zone anymore um and he brings this kind of briefcase to this senator and the senator looks at it he goes okay and he walks out the door and the building explodes hmm. and he almost dies so he thinks that he got set up by the, by the people who set oh he him didn't down. know what was up yeah he didn't know what was up okay so he goes back there kind of angry uh, and confronts them um and in the midst of this uh, his mother uh, you know, calls him home in, for an emergency and his mother reveals something to him that's, that's huge. And the story basically is going to go to a whole other place now where um, he, uh, I don't really want to spoil the end of the issue, although it'll be the status quo for, for the entire series, I'm guessing from now on, but uh, who his mother is and who his father was, his father is dead. Um and and who he's gonna be is completely different from what he expected. Ooh. Uh and it might not go along with what the family uh, wants. You know, the the mob family would 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 appreciate. So it, it's a really it's a cool story. Um, it's very it's long, it's wordy, uh, and the art. It, um, Ivan art is very interesting. It's very moody. It's got you know the eyes are very very big at times. You know, it but it's a lot about color and shading and. Um, you know, what you don't see it's 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 very noirish mm-hmm. at times. Uh really plays with, you know, uh what the palette looks like. You know, what it what what colors kind of um and the colors are by Taki Soma, which who I believe is uh Avon Oming's I, I don't want I think her in the back. Married to him. She's married to him, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. I wanted to make sure because I I read I thought I read that.
3: Yeah, they're married. Okay.
2: Um so they obviously work very closely together and it's much like I think how perfectly Laura Allred's colors compliment Mm -hmm. Michael Allred's colors, Michael Allred's art is that here, every little mood shift and every little time we have a slightly different air about the scene, the colors really, really reflect it. So you're, you're, there's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of alternate history stuff and a lot of what could be confusing moments, but because the art and the colors guide you through so well, you're never really confused about what's going on nice in a really really cool way um you know i'm not like i said i'm not sure how this is going to come out if it's going to come out on time if it, if they've already done a bunch of it and it's going to come out because the, in the back the letters page makes it seem like from bendis that they've really they've done a lot on the book already but that could just mean they've worked it out you know that doesn't mean that they've actually sat down and done it so i'm not sure about that but it was a really cool start and i'm looking forward to seeing you know where it goes. It made me want to go back and check out Powers as well, which I hear is a very, very good series, which I've never, never really checked out.
0: Are you going to do issue by issue, or are you going to wait? That's th-
2: that, This is one of, these, one of these comics I feel like it will be the feeling. Like when it comes out next, yeah. I'll see how I feel. Like if I really want to know what's coming next, I'll grab it. If not, I'll just wait.
0: Because it sounds really cool. Like yeah. I'd like to read it, but in history, well, not history, if, if brilliant has been any yes. kind of indication or something like, uh, was that Jupiter's Legacy? Yeah. Where it just, you know, Whenever, yeah. Um, I don't know if I can deal with whenever. Yeah, I know. You know, so especially for something that sounds that intriguing. Yeah. Um, I kind of think I would want the whole
2: thing, but I like the, I like the color palette idea. Mm. Um, very cool. Yeah, it's very very cool. I I, I really really like the art uh, quite a lot in it as well. Um, so that's the uh, United States of Murder Inc. Uh, number one. Uh, so let's uh let's try to give Mr. I'm gonna try to give Mr. Bob Ryer a call here uh, on Skype. See if we can add him to this this conversation.
3: It's gonna be all, you know, doped up on cold medicine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gosh,
2: yeah. So Stephanie, I Chardonnay, you, well, well <laughs> yeah. While well, I'm while well, I'm calling him, Stephanie, you didn't get to uh, uh, read anything, but did you? Uh, have you watched anything that you that you liked?
3: Oh God, I don't. I'm. I finished. You know, all of the kind of finales for everything. Mm. I mean, we've, we're into the episode seven now of Game of Thrones. I finally finished, uh, you know, Agents of Shield, Arrow again, which we'll get to, and now I'm just kind of waiting until the last couple of things are. What did I start watching? You're I watching started Rough and watching. Black? I am watching it If i Black. Black. Um, what do you think I of Shield, watched...
2: actually? By the way, Stephanie, you know, we haven't really talked about it in, in in months.
3: Oh yeah, I guess okay. So I really did not like the show. I thought it was really poorly done and. Um, the characters were lackluster at best. Um, It didn't captivate me. I kind of just watched it because they'd be like, Sif's in it. (laughs) And, you know, I'd be like, Oh, I really like Sif. But then the writing, like the show could have just been so much better than it was. And it was just so boring. And I don't know. And, you know, like it took me until probably the last couple of episodes to finally remember that agent Ward's name is agent Ward and not agent. What's his name? (laughs) Um, but the last few episodes post, you know, Winter Soldier really picked up Mm. and I still don't really like Agent What's-His-Name (laughs) because I like that better than Ward. Um, and I still don't really like Sky, but I think the show really started to come into its own finally. Um, and I still, again, don't love it, but I think it was a solid, solid tie-in to the marvel universe Mm -hmm. uh once i kind of started you know thinking of the bigger picture it felt like a marvel show to me um yeah and it got good awesome Um,
2: that's what i heard i heard that after winter soldier things started really picking up
3: yeah it's still like you know with arrow and with this most shows don't get this big of a like you can't be joss whedon and say you know We'll wait until the eighteenth episode, and it'll get good. I swear. Right. That's why your shows get canceled, Joss. <laughs> um, you know, people like you know Fox, especially. And thank God this wasn't Fox because I'm sure it would have got canceled. You know, oh. Agents of or er, with Fox almost human, and even Firefly back then. Yeah. Um, they got aired out of order and were just ridiculous. But you need to have a solid show right off the bat to capture people these days we have we're, we're so fickle and the I, i'm only disappointed that it took so long to kind of get good
2: right yeah absolutely absolutely all right let's try bob here see if okay at, add him in here let's see if he picks it up let's see come on <laughs> come on hey it's ringing is this is how we call trina robbins yeah nice it's the same way here it comes yeah there comes Hello, Bob. You are on the Talking Comics podcast. Wow. It's like
4: being a guest and everything. Do I get (laughs) lovely parting gifts or something?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bob, how are you feeling?
4: Um, I'm upright, if barely. (laughs) A little bit of vertigo and not the old Hitchcock movie. Sadly.
3: (laughs) Sadly, How is every... Huh? Sadly. Sadly. You don't want to... Maybe you want to own the movie, but I don't think you want to be in it necessarily.
4: (laughs) It's it's a pretty tough movie to be in. Yeah, I'd have to jump off the pier into San Francisco Harbor or off the top of a bell tower. Neither spoilers, one is spoilers, Bob. <laughs> oh, come on! It was from nineteen fifty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are we reduced to that now? The statute of limitations are up on Vertigo. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I would think so. How is everybody doing? So sorry I'm missing tonight. It's all right, Bob. That's right, Bob. we totally They're understand.
2: Good. I think you've been like two years straight. So I think. you... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the first episode was that you were a permanent fixture on. You've been here every single one since, so I think that you're okay.
4: Uh, (laughs) Uh, So I can't be Wally Pitt, huh?
2: No. No, you can't. You're the only one who probably understands what that even
4: means. (laughs) He was the guy who played first base for the Yankees until Lou Gehrig took his job. Yeah. There you go. He sat out out with a headache, and then (laughs) Lou Gehrig played for 15 straight years.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is crazy stuff. So, uh, Bob, we often talk about Wonder Woman uh, on the show, and... They just announced this week that, kind of following the footsteps of Legends of the Dark Knight and Adventures of Superman, which are these digital first books from DC, which come out weekly um, you know, on their digital store and then are collected physically at the end of the month, that they're adding Wonder Woman to this now, taking over. Adventures of Superman is ending, and in its place um, will be Sensation Comics featuring Wonder Woman. Um, now, Bob, some people might think that's an, an odd title, but it's actually a very fitting title, right?
4: It's the real title. Uh, <laughs> after she made a brief text appearance in All Star No. 8, which is December 41, Sensation Comics Number 1, that January was her first real comic book appearance.
2: Uh-huh. So it's
4: the perfect title to relaunch Wonder Woman with. Uh,
2: And we got word that the first story will be written by Gail Simone uh, with art by Ethan Van uh, Skyver or Shriver. I'm never really sure how to say it correctly
4: i like your way we'll okay. go with that <laughs>
2: um and it says that uh other names slated to work on the series are lauren bukes cecil castellucci amanda dibert caitlin kittridge james Sidney in the fourth uh uh george's genti chris sprouse and cat stags um i'm sure we'll get many more after that as well mm-hmm. uh so bob uh are you excited for this sensation comics
4: no, I'm not, so you better, better hang up. No, seriously, <laughs> when I saw this this morning, I, I got this as an email from it seemed like everybody because he all wanted my opinion. But Gail Simone writing Wonder Woman, great. Gail Simone writing a story of Wonder Woman in Gotham City featuring Oracle mm. in the old 52. This is my number two and number three female characters in the same book, I think, for probably the first time except in passing somewhere. <laughs> this is sort of... Stephanie, you'll you'll love this. This is sort of like the movie Sabrina that had Audrey Hepburn and (laughs) Humphrey Bogart in
3: it. I do like that. (laughs) Yeah,
4: it is is that big to me. This is going to be sensational. Now, Ethan's Skyver, Mm -hmm. Scriver, Scriver, whatever, his first cover is really pretty special. It's Wonder Woman wrapping up all the Mm Bat-Villains. Have you guys seen the Phil Jimenez variant cover?
2: Yeah, it's awesome.
4: Holy mackerel. I think it's every Wonder Woman on here excepting... Mike Diodato's song, where, though she might be on here somewhere, just you can't see her lower half. <laughs> but I mean, you, you've got Harry Peters, you've got the Andrew and Esposito, you've got all, even some of the more modern ones, the Mike Sikowski sort of Emma Peel one, John Burns, George Perez's, some Super Friends action going on. If DC doesn't put this out as a poster, they're insane. <laughs> It, there are a lot of people who love this hanging in the room, me included.
2: Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. You know, the, the deal with this is just like those other ones they are going to be out of continuity stories. So they're, they're kind of open for, you know, anyone to do anything they want uh, with them. So that, that's pretty awesome. Um, and they also released a piece of art from uh, uh, Renee DeLiz, uh, which is freaking awesome. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that, one. Bob.
4: Or how do you spell her name? <laughs> um, well, uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll talk about that it can't, show. It can't be too many ways of spelling it. I'll, I'll sort that. Renee de Liz. Yeah. Yeah.
3: R e n a e, and then okay. d e, and then space Liz. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's 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 awesome. Thank you so much. It's a really yeah. really awesome uh, piece of art. Um, so
4: I'm so glad I'm signed up to ComiXology now. At this point, m- so I'd be able to get these. Now, supposedly, it's coming in in print August twentieth.
2: Okay, so that makes sense. So they'll do a month of it digitally and then it'll come out in print after that. Yeah. Uh yeah, so each each issue would be 99 cents. Um coming up to four issues and then they collect them probably in a 399 book. So it, it's I mean it's really cool. I mean they've done a really good job. You know, there's been really fantastic arcs on both Adventures of Superman and Legends of Dark Knight that I've read that I've really really liked. So uh, I can't imagine that it'll be any different here. Um, oh yeah, no.
4: And I, as i told you, I read a really nice Batman Beyond arc. Yeah. With the new Batgirl and Barbara as Commissioner, Police Commissioner of Gotham City. Yeah. Which I think just came out as a trade.
2: Yeah, they do really good stuff with with their digital first stuff. Um, you know, for a while, like their Arrow comic was the best Green Arrow comic that, that DC <laughs> was putting out. Uh, so there, there you go. Um, and their their Smallville book is also really, really well liked uh, by Brian Q. Miller. A of
4: those too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Brian Q. Miller. So sure. yeah
2: absolutely um stephanie what do you think about this
3: i think it sounds pretty rad <laughs> I, I think i don't know i don't have too much more to add on to it yet i'm excited for it that's that's a thing <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs>
2: um steve what do you think
0: i'm more excited than stephanie is that's for sure
2: <laughs> no i'm
3: excited i'm just tired i'm sorry
2: <laughs> no i'm good I'm um so busy.
0: i don't I haven't been picking up The Adventures of Superman or Legends of the Dark Knight. I think I might have picked up first two issues and then kind of fell off of it. Uh, but more more proper Wonder Woman. I like the, the cast of creators that you wrote off. Like, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. on that list that excite me, whether it be artist or writer, that I would love to see take the character. And I think in small bites like that and small little arcs and small little stories, uh, you can have... A lot of the best aspects of Wonder Woman shine in little bits and pieces that when it's collected or there's several stories altogether, you have an opportunity within each story to really show how awesome the character is. And from different angles and different perspectives and different creators all in one place,
2: um, I think it'll be a really big boon for the character. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Bob, I want to throw a couple. I didn't didn't warn you about this, Bob, but I want to throw a couple listener questions your way. Oh, okay. And while we're while we're here, because we had a, we had an email, um, didn't leave their name, but uh, uh, you'll know who you are when I read the question. So okay. this is more of a question for Bob. I know you're not really a fan of the Punisher, but did you ever read the story arc of when Frank gets drastic plastic surgery to get to the heat off him, and and in turn becomes a black man and winds up having a team up with Luke Cage?
4: I did read a couple of those at the time. I have no memory left of it, but it, it did create a little bit of a buzz at the time. <laughs>
2: He said, I personally love how far-fetched the concept is, and it really, it's really the only exposure he has to the classic Luke Cage.
4: Well, there you go. See, it's the start. Now you've got to buy some Luke Cage, and if it gets you into some Punisher as well from that period, that would have been middle 80s maybe, a little later?
2: I, have no, I, I, do, I do not know. <laughs> um, that, yeah, I'd never heard of that, that storyline.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it seems like it made sense at the time. It's comic books, right?
2: Well, absolutely.
4: Absolutely. They made Lois Lane black for an issue. (laughs) No, they did.
2: Because comic books. Um, Because,
4: well, it was. She's an investigative reporter. She wants to find out what it was like to live the other life.
2: Because nothing really says we're really in tune with the world (laughs) more than blackface.
4: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, that caused some buzz, but
2: the wrong one. Right, it was, yeah. It, it was <laughs> it a would, nice attempt. I would imagine so. Um, another question. I think you're, you're the, probably one of the best people to answer this question, Bob, because you have the most history with the characters. Um, but this is from Martin Ramos on Twitter, and he asks, what run do you consider as the best X-Men book to read for an X-Men version?
4: Oh, boy. I, I'm going to tell you at this point, it's the Claremont, Claremont Cochran and Claremont Byrne new X-Men we start with a giant size number one and then new number 94. Mm. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait through five years of all the original X-Men and not see Kitty and Wolverine and Storm and all the rest. So as much as I'm a stickler for starting at the beginning, you get to see those characters eventually in the other run, too. Mm. And I think it'd make a lot more sense.
2: Yeah, going absolutely. Going that point up. Yeah. I mean, I know that I've always had you know, until the Marvel Now stuff, when they they re- kind of relaunched the the, the Bendis X Men stuff, I had always had trouble, even though I really liked the characters from other media, really committing and getting in to uh, to any runs of the characters. And even so, if I hadn't been reading other books already, you know, and, and kind of understanding what was going on around when they relaunched with Marvel Now, I even the X Men books there would have been a little bit difficult for me to really get into cold. Um, oh, absolutely. So I feel like definitely, I feel like there are great runs so you can go to, but I feel like Bob is like Bob's saying, I think going back to that time is probably a really good idea because you'll get to at least know the characters a little bit um, and kind of identify your, with them. And then you can, you know, kind of jump around a little bit if you want and, and read, you know, yeah, some you'll other get stuff. you see
4: some of them as you move forward. The, the thing, when, when the book started, Stan and Jack were doing, I think it's six and a half other books hmm. a month and they hmm. dropped off the original X-Men fairly quickly which is one thing Stan always says affected the sales of the book mm-hmm. artists started to change writers started to change and it bounced around It had some good issues here and there you have Jim Steranko do a couple Neil Adams and but start start with, start with Chris Claremont well, actually it's Len Wein and then Chris Claremont mm-hmm. Wein does the first issue
2: awesome awesome uh, I don't know if you really like the Wolverine the X-Men or the Jason Aaron stuff yes that was kind of one of really your first X-Men books right yeah pretty much yeah yeah, was that, uh, the Joss Whedon run. Oh, yeah, *Stonishing X-Men is a good one, too. I've read a yeah. l- I have read a little bit about that when I wasn't reading comics at all right. and, and got stuff out of it.
0: Um, and I would totally recommend uh, Remender's Uncanny X-Force mm-hmm. just because, I mean, I, I dropped myself into that only knowing some of the characters in name or knowing them only so much uh, and was totally able to just pick up on things and run with it. And I mean, my God, that mm. the whole run was just really really engaging if you want x-men stuff that's kind of in your face uh but has really really uh great character arcs and and character dynamics and you want to learn about who some of these people are that's a great way to do it because there's just there's so much intensity to that story that so much of who they are comes out within those those couple of arcs
2: yeah that's one of those stories where i feel like it's super dense and confusing but it's worth it Like, I have,
0: I have a, I will have forever, like, an undying respect for Deadpool. As as goofy and as ridiculous as his books can get, like, I will always challenge anyone and be like, go read Remender's Uncanny X-Force and tell me that, even with all the goofiness, that you don't think highly of him by the end of that.
2: Right, yeah, absolutely. Stephanie, I I mean, I know you're an X-Men fan, but do you have any uh, X-Men books or stories that you think newbies should get into?
3: Um. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I've ever really read like a ton of X-Men outside of sort of the new stuff and then I read like um like the stuff that the animated series was based on. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I don't think I have any recommendations for kind of essential stuff to kind of get into.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean neither really. It's 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 rough and I think that it's it's such a dense universe that it's tough unless you go back and really start at the beginning or read a lot of Wikipedia. It's tough to really just jump in um, and not feel completely lost uh, right away, especially
4: when it starts to fracture into adjective X-Men and X Factor, X Force.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It, it gets it gets confusing and tough to, to handle, which is a problem with a lot of comic books these days. Um, uh, so we had another Bob. I want to keep you on because I didn't, I didn't want you started a thread on the on the on the boards about this, and I did not oh. want to. To lo- let you go without talking about it a little bit, so okay. Will Cox on Facebook asked, "I really love the new Godzilla. How would you like how um how would you like to see the series progress? I would like to see more Ken, uh, what Watanabe? Yeah, yeah, there yeah I go. got it. <laughs> yeah. So, Bob, what Nailed did you think it. of Godzilla?
4: Oh, I loved it. I I especially loved that he made Gareth Edwards, the director here, made a real movie mm. with monster movie things in it." But just, I cared about all these characters, cared about what happened, and I I use the analogy, it's Jaws. Mm -hmm. His presence is there until you get to him, and then it's, holy mackerel, this is Godzilla, and he's a force of nature, and big and bad. And going forward, having Dr. Sarazawa in the original movie from 54, he's the guy who has the oxygen destroyer that can take out Godzilla. He's the representation of science. Could have could go bad, could go right. He's got to have a conscience about it. And so he's the same guy here with a different agenda, sort of. Want to see lots more him mm. and some more monsters. Yeah. Now, Steve thought he saw an extra monster.
0: Yeah, I definitely saw something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. It's kind of a spoiler. I don't know if I want to share. Okay. Don't
3: spoil it because I haven't seen it yet. Don't you know, do it?
4: Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you. We're all trying there. to be spoiler free, but watch watch for a scene. Yeah. What were we to say about three quarters of the way through, Steve.
0: Yeah, it's it's when all the stuff is going down, and um, let's just say something need pay, pay attention when something needs to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, if you look closely, if you follow the stream, you'll see it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you so okay. That's
4: spoiler enough. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so How did you, oh, you guys? I know I definitely haven't seen it yet. I'm shocked with your Pacific Rim. I
3: know. I was actually supposed to see it. With Bill, Ad- Allison, and Adam, but they all went to go see it without me. Oh, what? Or- what? Yeah, I was really pissed Fire off. Fire them. I know. I was, I'm still like, so now I'm just like, because I didn't go see it when I was in Toronto because we were all supposed to go see it together. <laughs> and they went to see it without me. So now I'm like avoiding anything that even starts with like Godzilla. I'm like, every you smiling? I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, Steve, what did you think of it? I really liked it. Um, I don't know that I attached myself to the characters as much as Bob did. Uh, I do enjoy... I did enjoy... I heard a lot of stuff about it before I went. I heard some ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. Things that people were saying that I, I didn't even understand how that would make sense in a Godzilla movie at all. Uh, stuff about him like actively avoiding things, putting out fires. <laughs> and I'm like are you serious? (laughs) And, and nobody would come back with an answer. So I didn't Mm. have a, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Like that was what I was left with. So, uh, I took my mom as, as part of her mother's day thing and we went to go see it together. I agree with Bob in that I really liked that. It was a movie, you know, it wasn't just a monster slug fest. That's not what I wanted from it at all. Um, I, oh man, it's, it's so hard to talk without spoilers. Hmm. Uh, there were aspects to it that surprised me. There were things that went on that I feel like we were, we were getting there and then they would take them away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, my only problem was, was that I think that there, there was a better story within the movie that we didn't get to see and that would be Ken Watanabe's character and the Godzilla character. I was much more interested in him Than I was in Mister No Personality, son of Brian Cranston. I don't know. I liked him a lot. I, I once I realized who he was, actor-wise, I thought he did a very good job. But I didn't between him and his wife. um, Oh my God, Olsen Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen, who was wonderful. She Mm. was she was great. But like all I knew about her was that she was the wife of an army dude and a nurse, Mm -hmm. and that's it. And he he works in the bomb department. Of the military and that's it and I just for as much time as we spent with him because they kept going back to him I just didn't find him to be very interesting but the movie itself I mean the last hour of that movie was the reason I went to go see it mm-hmm. and it did not disappoint in that regard uh really enjoyed the design for Godzilla I thought it was perfect Mm. for for having a godzilla movie now was enough of the old and enough of of new to make it uh really cool and uh maybe have uh beasts that he's gonna fight in the future maybe have them be able to do a little bit more but again if they're already planning a sequel and they're doing things and like i said i did see something in the movie that nobody else seems to have seen uh, maybe if they go in that direction, it'll be even better the second time around. But I really, people had me scared. Um, I did not know what I was walking into and I wanted that movie to rock. And all in all, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time with my mom. We laughed. We, we you know, hooted and hollered <laughs> when the destruction came. My mom actually pumped her fist toward the very tail end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like kind of on the last scenes with Godzilla.
3: I will cut you if you say anything I'm more. not. She just, she was just,
0: she just like, she pumped her fist in the middle of the theater. She's like,
3: Godzilla's awesome.
2: <laughs> She's so cute. Um, yeah, I mean, I just saw it today actually and I, I, really, I really liked it a lot. I think that Gareth Edwards makes a lot of ballsy, really ballsy choices to me. Um, and not even the fact that the, the monster does show up in full form, you know, probably not even, a ha- not halfway, it's less than halfway. It's probably a third of the way through the movie. You really see the mm-hmm. the monster in full for the first time, um, but that's a that's a choice. But that's a choice made because he wants to establish human characters before he j- dives into the destruction. Yeah, uh, which I think is is a good move from him. Um, I, I think that the other thing that's really ballsy about it is that he makes a point to show the destruction from the viewpoint of people, mm-hmm. and not not there there aren't very many. There's barely any really times where you see destruction that a human being couldn't be seeing it from the angle in which monster vision they're shooting it from yeah, Right. It's not the, the camera is not, Oh, we're from Godzilla's perspective. You know that it's never over yeah, the shoulder Godzilla. Yeah, cam. exactly. It's never like that. It's, it's very much from the people on the ground's perspective. And I think that keeps the movie very grounded. And I think that what it does, what it does interestingly is that I think that Pacific Rim, when it came out last year, Pacific Rim is an awesome, big ass monster movie, mm-hmm. but Pacific Rim is celebrating you know kind of that um, over the top kind of I think pulpy um, you know very broad strokes type of movie you know yeah. in, in the best way possible you know it it has kind of archetypal characters that represent things more than having characters who are actually you know flesh and blood and have issues and stuff like that for the most part but it does it so well and it's so freaking cool and awesome mm-hmm. Godzilla is more like Bob said is more dealing kind of that Jaws territory where it's very focused on small human stories and then relates them to this giant thing that's happening uh, as well and keeps the tone the tone is very serious mm-hmm. for the most part of the movie i mean there's obviously some uh, like slight bit of camp involved just because of what is happening at times <laughs> but only in the in the best ways possible only in that kind of very sci-fi way you know um and i i thought it was just uh, I, it was the the best version of this movie that i could have imagined happening right now you mm-hmm. know uh and it's great that now this is the Godzilla movie of record and not the yeah. the one that came out, you know, however long ago that was. Yeah. Very excited about that. Yeah. Watch the taste out of our mouths. Yeah. And where would the series to go? I mean, I just, you know, they did something in this movie that I didn't expect, like you were saying, um, mm-hmm. with Godzilla. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I think if they, if they kind of follow the formula of all the other Godzilla movies that have ever come out, then it, they'll change it up a lot. Um, He's rocky. But I want to see him fight like, uh, you know, Mothra would be awesome. Yeah. That would be really, really cool. Um, I and mean, we'll have to see what happens with that. But uh, I, I can't wait for you to see it, Stephanie, because it's like right up your alley.
3: I know. I <laughs> wanted to see it opening day, but they were like, no, no, you can't go see it. You can't go see it. You have to go see it with us. And then it's without me.
4: Boo. <laughs> levers is what we used to call it. Yeah. Boo yeah. on that.
3: So yeah. I'm like, I, ugh, I'm <laughs> avoiding everything to do with it. But, um, Except for the podcast. Yeah. Can I quickly mention a show that I didn't... I, I I don't know how this. I spaced on this, but um, we've talked about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen on the show a bit. Yeah. And I started watching Showtime's Penny Dreadful.
2: Oh, right, right, yeah.
3: And Patton Oswalt, he he tweeted the other day, um, if Penny Dreadful is an apology for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, then apology accepted. (laughs) (laughs) And it is so good. It is totally what League of Extraordinary Gentlemen should have been. Is that
2: what it's supposed to be? It's not supposed no. to be that, but sort. Can you give the premise, Stephanie, real quick?
3: Yeah. So the premise is kind of um, like this, like not they're not even really like a society or anything. I was going to say kind of like a mystery society is out. Kind of basically, Alan Quarterman, um, his daughter's been kidnapped by vampires. Okay. And he, <laughs> you know. but he, it's they're scary. The vampires are like terrifying Mm -hmm. and um, these the people that he's kind of recruiting um, are trying to help he's trying to find his daughter basically and save her from um, the clutches of the vampire but it's not as hokey as that like the whole premise isn't you know like out of the two episodes so far they've spent like kind of five minutes talking about his daughter the rest is kind of like the recruitment and Billy Piper's in it um Ooh. oh josh oh hartnett. my god josh hartnett mm-hmm. who looks like he hasn't aged he's a vampire <laughs> um <laughs> eva green perfect who yeah. is amazing
2: wow i'm gonna have to check this out yeah, and they're, oh all, they're all literary characters right yes yeah. oh, cool. I,
3: I can't say anything like i want to tell you guys like who shows up and stuff but like oh my god this this the cliffhangers at the end of the first and second episode are just like what? No, you can't do this to me anymore.
0: <laughs> what channel it's, is this?
2: Showtime.
3: It's Showtime. Nice. And yeah. it's on it's so scary, too. Like it it's really it's not I mean it's not scary, but I'm super jumpy and I'm a wimp. Um <laughs> Timothy Dalton is Sir Malcolm. He plays like the Alan Corman kind of dude. Hmm. Um and yeah, and oh there's other people and I can't say who they are, but there's <laughs> a good cast of people and they are in it. That's awesome.
2: awesome! Yeah, I really want to watch that show. Yeah, that honestly, watch. Yeah.
3: I love Orphan Black. I love Game of Thrones. This might be my new favorite show. Wow!
2: All right. And That's this might be fun. like
3: my thing to watch like religiously for the rest of the summer. It's so good.
2: That's awesome! Sweet. So
3: and again, like because I, I again I'm in Minnesota right now. If we didn't say that, but uh, we watched the first. I rewatched the first and second episode here again last night with Bill, Allison, and Adam, and bill and them like loved it as like you know big fans of the league of extraordinary gentlemen as well mm-hmm. and they think it's like top fucking notch so awesome that's insider the cat's info pajamas. <laughs> yeah it is the cat's pajamas oh i want pajamas now <laughs>
2: <laughs> and cats fantastic <laughs> um so one more thing before we, we let you go bob in the email i sent out about the show we obviously we have days of future Pass coming out next week indeed and we're I think we're all pretty super psyched about that movie mm-hmm. and, and, and to, to talk about that and see where that takes the X-Men universe. Mm-hmm. And we're getting a lot of X-Men on the screen in, in that movie. Um, but uh, you know, we, there's a lot of X-Men we haven't seen yet. You know, And we've talked about this quite a bit about all these different characters and, and stuff. And, and um, not really a formal like number one, number four, you know, whatever. But uh, I, 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 I think about five people that you want to see in X-Men movies that haven't been in X-Men movies yet. And mm. Bob, I wanted to get um, your opinion on that.
4: Well, I'd like to see the real juggernaut. Mm. If, he, if he counts as he's an X-Men yes. character, that'll be an X-Man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that
2: U- X-Men universe character, sorry, doesn't okay. have to be one of the heroes.
4: So certainly would like to see Dazzler. Yeah, because I'm a fan. I don't know how you do this. It's not the disco era anymore. Maybe it's a throwback.
2: Yeah, I mean they kind of do it. I mean they could because they're obviously they're if they if they stick with the first class timeline. You could
4: mm-hmm. absolutely do disco. There you go. She right, does it. make an appearance in Origins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I know. We try and forget it. That. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't count. That one's out.
2: I also think Brian Singer is just forgetting about it. Because I've heard from reviews of the movie that all the kind of things that were annoying about the X-Men continuity that he didn't really like, he just just ignored them, basically, when he made th- this movie.
4: So. Like to see, like to see Magic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's I one of mine, too, definitely. Magic will be awesome.
4: Uh, Psylocke?
2: Yeah, that's one of mine too. That's one of mine too. Yeah, we're right. We're on this, We're on par, Bob.
4: <laughs> and I, I'm. He always. Oh, I can't say this because it's spoilers. Uh, eventually, they used a character called Warpath, but the original was Thunderbird.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: He's in the first, you know, giant size number one, mm-hmm. and really interesting Native American character. Interesting. Which you know, for representation, let's go for something we haven't done before.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That, could, that, that may be five for me. I, I think, think that was five, yeah. Um, Stephanie, do you have any characters you haven't seen yet that you want to see?
3: Yep. Going on the assumption that Origins didn't exist, Gambit. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, Which we know we're going to get. We're going to do some Channing Tatum Gambit.
3: Yeah, And even though she's been in the movies, I would like a proper version of Rogue. hmm yeah. Because that version that's in x1 and 2. You know, I couldn't even focus on those movies. Those movies are still terrible to me because like every time I watch them I'm in a rage about what they do to her. I'm like ah, bro, 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 bro. <laughs> like <laughs> just have like a hissy fit. Um so that. And then I guess like yeah, Psylocke Magic. Um I'm trying to think of if there's anyone else that would be a good addition. Um has Domino been in any of them? Oh, that isn't one of mine. I don't
2: think
4: so. I feel no, like she, Domino
3: she would be a, good, a yeah. good, yeah, addition.
4: Of course, you yeah. do. Yeah, fills the spots that isn't being taken by anybody too. She has a great power with that. Yeah,
2: sure. absolutely. Um, for me, like you said, a Psylocke definitely, Magic definitely. I think they they both be awesome. I have another real one. I'd like. I I love James Marsters, but um, I really want to see a real Cyclops. Okay. You know, yeah. I, I, I he he is actually a really good actor to play that role, but the way in which they made that role was not Cyclops. Um, and I'd like to see them do a really good job with him. Um, Phantom X is definitely one mm-hmm. of mine. Um, we talked about like Kenny X-Force a bunch. Uh, he would be awesome. He has a really cool power set. And also, uh, Jamie Madrix. Nice. Madrox,
4: Nice. <laughs> Madrix. We sort of saw him in three. But sort of. Count. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm not counting, uh, but three is another one that goes in the scrapbook.
4: <laughs> three in origin don't count at all. Yeah,
2: no, they don't count. They really don't. Hmm. Um, yeah, those are, the, those are the ones I would love to see. And as far as villains go, I'd love to see Mr. Sinister. I think that'd be a cool one to do. Hmm. Absolutely.
4: I'd love, Yeah, for me, down the road, I do want to see the Phoenix Saga done correctly yeah. and let right. them go. So then we need Mastermind. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, absolutely. Who was kind of lame until all of a sudden Claremont and Byrne ratcheted him up into look what he can do. Right. <laughs> unfettered. And it's like, ooh, yeah. scary stuff.
2: Um, hmm. Oh, and one more nope. thing. The Japanese uh, Sunfire. I, I, uh yeah. Okay. Love that hero. He he's been great in uh, the Uncanny Avengers book, the Remender book. I've really really loved him in that book. Uh, mm. So I would love to see him. Steve, what do you got for us?
0: Uh definitely Psylocke. Definitely. Um, I want to see Boom Boom <laughs> in a movie. I think she's fun. <laughs> um, who else? Quentin Quire. Oh yeah, Quentin Quire would be is a awesome. lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh magic. It would be cool to see like an, another Omega level mutant mm-hmm. introduced into the uh, into the universe, the movie universe. Uh we said so many of them magic yeah would love to see magic introduce the idea of of hell dimensions and stuff like that she's probably my number
2: one of all the ones i mentioned yeah um deadpool can we get yeah deadpool we didn't get real deadpool he has an origins but he's not it's not really deadpool right he's he's deadpool for like 15 seconds like mm-hmm. that one Ooh. moment when they go up the elevator and ryan reynolds does all the crazy stuff yeah and then he's like wisecracking and stuff that's the moment you have deadpool and the rest of it is garbage
0: um and i don't know because i know that the the kitty pride and and colossus relationship but there's also in uh cable and x-force there was a relationship between colossus and domino mm-hmm. that if they weren't going to go in that one direction i'd like to see that uh, right. You know, on film, I think that'd be really cool.
3: Yeah. What about Lockheed to go with Kitty Pride? Oh, yeah, that'd be yeah.
0: awesome. The Dragon, yeah. That would be neat. That would be fantastic. Um, I'd like to see another Kitty Pride kind of recast. And Oh, I and... love her.
2: Well, you want something better than Ellen Page? Uh, yeah. <laughs> really?
0: Better than Ellen
2: Page? I kind of do. <laughs> Who's better than Ellen Page to play that role? I don't. I, fine.
0: All right, fine. Keep her in the role. Give her more <clears throat> to do.
2: Okay, that's fine. I agree with you I, on uh, that. Let's put it this way
0: I don't remember her worth a damn. From those movies, she
2: was the only. Th- she was only in three. Uh, okay, she was the only three. thing I liked in three. Basically, yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah.
0: No, oh, that was the the whole
2: the whole Juggernaut scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's re- that, that that She's the one thing worth it about that movie to me.
3: Uh, um, they should do an Emma Frost without fucking January, January Jones. Jones. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. So funny. The I forgot. She. I almost put her on the list because I forgot that January Jones played her in that movie. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> I totally forgot. Uh,
3: she's like agent what's his name in shield
2: <laughs> agent ward agent
3: ward yeah.
2: <laughs> i so only know his name now you because don't actually remember i only know his name now because you said it like four times on the show because i never remembered it before
3: <laughs> i know me neither i've just caught up i guess
2: oh uh, yeah how about pip the troll <laughs> Some
4: brood? He's more, i think he may belong to the other guys oh he's really a adam warlock character so that could belong to marvel Studios. Mm.
2: did you hear about the rumor about the submariner movie bob yeah, Universal still has it. Yeah, Universal still has it. There's there's rumors abound about it can happening.
4: Universal make a good choice here and say, "Let's hook this up."
2: No, I think they're a little they're a little butt hurt by the whole like uh <laughs> Disney Disney Marvel deal. Okay. Yeah, I think that's really
3: well, what it is. Can we they're, go ahead? Oh no, no, no. Carry on if you weren't done talking about your point. <laughs>
4: Oh, I was just gonna say, Universal did make a decent amount of money with Hulk. That was sort of the Marvel thing they distributed it, right? Is yeah, it was. But worked? then
2: after that, Marvel kind of got the deal to get it back from them, and then you know they're oh. gonna make a ton of money off of it. So I think I think they're a little bit less offended than Paramount, but I think
4: that's yeah, okay. <laughs> but the whole idea of you've got the submariner who would be great if you did it as World War Two. Yeah. You know, and you could then make him—he's an anti-hero who becomes a hero because the Nazis are even worse than the rest of us surface dwellers. Right. We've already established that James Hammond, the android human torch, is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Since he's standing there at the Stark Expo. Yeah. So you could have the Invader. Yeah, you and could. That, I, that'd geek out like crazy.
2: <laughs> Stephanie, what were you going to say?
3: I I know you didn't want to talk about this, but can I just say that if that, you know, speaking of the movies that are possibly coming, if the, the casting rumor about Doctor Strange is right.
2: Oh, the, yeah. Like, Oh, please What's be that? True. What's the? I didn't hear this. Is it IMDb the thing? One. They put somebody as Doctor Strange. Who was it, Stephanie?
3: Um. Oh shoot, the guy from the Mummy. Um. That. <laughs> like Brendan like... Fraser. No, not Brad no. Fraser. Dear. Just God. relax. One second, you. Uh, I can't. I can't remember his I'm, name. I'm finding his name. Hang on. I would uh, also like going? to see blindfold. Oh, Dead Fear. Yeah. Oded He's Fair. the guy who plays like the Guardian. Of... I'd be down with that. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: I like Oded Fair a yeah. lot.
3: Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be, it's totally not going to wind up happening. And I texted it to Bobby and he's like, the only, th- what did you say, Bobby? I
2: said, the only thing, uh, I said, IMDB is almost as unreliable as Bleeding Cool. So. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, <laughs> uh,
3: but yeah. Like, warm, but <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm just like super excited of the possibility. Yeah.
0: Like, I like him. Yeah. He's I, awesome. Yeah. He's yeah. great. He was great Over in Over the Cell.
3: moon, yeah. if that was real. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you ever see Sleeper Cell? I, did not, I don't
0: think so. You'd like it. It was really good. It was only two seasons.
3: Oh, I, oh, I remember it, when it was
2: on. I never saw it though. And it has the dude from Almost Human in it as well. Oh, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, super good. Nice, awesome, awesome. Um, so we have a lot more listener questions to get to, but what I want to do is I want to take a little break, and we'll come back, and we'll play Stephanie's interview with uh, Jeff Parker, um, and then we'll do some more listener questions. But Bob, you're going to leave us now, so... Um, Get out of here! So, <laughs> I'm
4: so sorry to have missed, but at least I got to participate in some ways. Oh, I'd absolutely, Bob!
2: Thank you so much for line. joining in with us. Your streak continues, Bob. You're, still, yeah, you're still, show. You still haven't missed <laughs> the show. There you
4: go. <laughs> I, I look. I had. I've got nothing coming out next week, basically, except something that. Stephanie's ready to review the Black Canary. Zatanna comes out today.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, nice! So I
4: can use this week's books of the week for next week. <laughs> they're, they're not even time sensitive, so it won't be so bad.
2: <laughs> All right, awesome. All right. Uh, well, Bob, thank you for for uh, for getting up enough enough of your health to t- to talk to us. Yeah. Now go and rest, feel better, and come back strong next week.
4: Thanks for the good wishes, guys. See you next week. Take right. care, Bob. Bye. Okay, <laughs> bye <bye-bye>. bye. <laughs>
2: All right, so Bob has left us. We're going to take a little bit of a break. We'll come back with our interview with Jeff Parker, and then we'll come back after that with a few more listener questions.
5: Hey, this is Jeff Parker. I'm writing Aquaman and Batman 66 and Flash Gordon, and I'm talking to Stephanie in Minneapolis right now, and we're doing it from a from a show. This is Spring Con. Spring Con. It's, it's super exciting.
3: It is. Thank you for joining us or me, I guess more specifically. Um, so we, we didn't really discuss what to talk about, so I guess we're just going <laughs> to we're just going to Do you like comics? do. I think this is actually the first time you know we've been Twitter friends for a while yeah. and mostly I think you know me for Oma stories
5: yeah it's, it's just your Oma yeah. I really, that's why I'm into you it's just like maybe yeah. she'll tell some Oma stories yeah
3: exactly that's why Adam and Allison keep me around they're just, <laughs> they they invite me out to dinner and then I'm like oh thanks this is really nice for you guys to bring me out and they're like oh no we just like wanted you to tell Oma stories yeah um, and
5: Willingham confirmed she exists, so I know you're not just making her up.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, today was the first time I actually talked to you That saying that I liked your comics. And Thank you. you. You actually looked like a little shocked that I read your stuff. Well,
5: so yes, I don't know how you have time to read all these comics. Because I've, I've gone through, like, your stuff online, and it's like, and you, you, when you get a chance to do reviews, I'm like, how can you read all that?
3: I read a lot. I, I was telling you, like, my iPad is just ridiculously with comics and it's you know it gets hard there's so many things out there and there's so many good things like now from like Image and other industries. it's a really good
5: age for comics
3: yeah but I mean I think right now probably my favorite thing from you is Aquaman yay were you you excited to be a part of that like I mean you're coming off of Jeff Johns' run which was fantastic yeah
5: Yeah, I was was completely happy because when they when they called me and said we want to talk to you about something I was like hmm what could it be you know it's like no is it a thing i didn't i didn't really know i had been pretty absorbed in my marvel work for quite a while so i'd only read a few things to the new 52 here and there i was very excited about the idea that i remember when they relaunched it and the fact that it actually worked i was like oh man it's like so you can actually dump the continuity and start over you know that's what i was excited about and uh, then when they said it was Aquaman, I was like, good, that's the one I think turned out best. You yeah. know, I felt like they just restored him to the essence of his character.
3: They made him a serious character, like he wasn't you know, something that people could laugh at anymore.
5: Well, they had done that in the past, but what they had always done is change him into something he wasn't. You know, it was always like, and some people are like, it's Game of Thrones under the sea, and blah, blah, blah. Which is something I don't think actually works for very long. I feel like when you, the longer you keep Aquaman underwater, literally... the the breedership goes away. Uh, It's the fact that he is from a strange place and lives underwater and comes up, you know, and is mixing it up on land that kind of makes it interesting. Um, But at the time, you know, I thought, hey, he doesn't have a hook hand or a water hand. He's not... uh, babbling like he grew up in Atlantis all the time because, you know, Jeff put him back to the thing where he grew up on land. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went to a regular high school, which I played up with the high school reunion and because uh, I thought, you can't show Batman or Superman go do that. It
3: was fun. I, yeah. That was a great little spin on he's it. He's
5: one of the few DC characters who's public. So yep. you can do all kinds of things where everybody knows who he is and what his name is. And he's, he's just used to it.
3: And he's used to kind of like... This shit, that happens, and kind of, you know, people's perception of him. Yeah. Mira is not. Like, she doesn't want to put up with any of that BS. and
5: Yeah, Mira's not the kind of character who puts up with much. And she just, she's, a, you know, obviously a super fun character. She gets to be the wild card all the time. And the fun thing to me about writing it is, I like, to not let Aquaman keep her, try to keep her in check. He's just like, well, that's what she's going to do. That's why I like her. Yeah. And, you know, that, and it, it makes a great dynamic.
3: Yeah, totally. I mean, like, I don't know. I think it's great. Are you, cool. you set to do, or is there a set number of issues you're going to be working on, or are you I'm just on it for indefinitely? the first?
5: Yeah, indefinitely for now. You know, Very it's cool. like it, it, everybody told me they like what we're doing, so it's like good because we're going to do more of it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have a big. We have. We do. I am actually building up to a big storyline, but I'm kind of sneaking it in, in, and I'm wondering if people have even noticed some of the where it's going. Because you could probably guess it at this point. I'll tell you when we're not online. All right. Yeah.
3: All right. Um, and you've got Batman 66 right now, too. Yes. And how's TV that TV Batman
5: that everybody likes.
3: Yeah. I read the first few issues. I'm not caught up. But, I mean, it feels like the TV show, yeah. you know, in the comics. Like, you've written it so campy and fun and just, you know ridiculous.
5: It's great to, well, if you go back and watch the shows, uh, everybody's always surprised if they haven't seen it in a while to to realize, oh yeah, it actually is pretty good and it holds up really well and it'll obviously be uh, a big thing later this year when the DVD sets come out and everybody can watch it again. Who doesn't necessarily have MeTV or whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I just try to, when I, when they offered me that job, that was another one that I jumped right on because I was like, I was deathly afraid somebody would, like, make fun of it or whatever. I mean, you can make fun of it to an extent, but I wanted to... I, I felt like Batman's always in on the joke and, you know, the humor shouldn't be... The, the worst episodes are when they try to be funny. It's just better to play it straight like a straight story and then the overtop qualities of it, you know, let the humor come out. The way Batman is the best at everything and is worshipped literally by everybody around, you know. It's a fun thing to indulge in that you can't necessarily do in the regular comics. And he's got a cool car and he rides around in the daylight.
3: So, I mean, if you ask creators and you say, like, what book do you want to work on? A lot of them will say things like Batman. Yeah. But, you know, was Batman something that was on your dream list? And if so, like, was, you know, this version of Batman the one you wanted to do specifically?
5: Well, Batman always is because he just looms large in my little uh, in my psychic landscape. Um, because, like, as I was saying online on Twitter the other day, Gabriel Hardman and some others and I were talking about how we'd like to do a kind of bigger version of what he and I did in the, the in the Legends series, where we just did a very street level Batman, and there was only a tiny bit of tech, and you didn't even see a car or anything. You know, it was just and the in the whole uh, crime was guys knocking over a liquor store and i just wanted to show that this ordinary crime going on and batman goes after it as hard as he would anything else you know it's like joker poisoning people whatever guys knocking over a liquor store he's still going to give it 100% yeah
3: these are all things that affect his city and ultimately yeah. you know batman you so know so i don't he... i don't
5: have one particular one version that i have to have of batman but i would i would like to be able to do that one too just because I feel like that doesn't get explored nearly enough. Uh, just show him all stripped down with barely anything except a few things in his belt, you know?
3: Yeah, he's written in very... I mean, like, I really like Scott Snyder's run on it. Yeah, but Scott's it's, brilliant. Yeah, it's very much... But you, you can tell that Scott's background is very much in horror. Like, it's a very dark, dark, well, dark and, take on... And Batman. that
5: band supports horror really well. Yes. So that's why you can go that way with him and it works. Uh, you can go sci-fi with him and it works, you know? It's uh, it, it, He since he's essentially a pulp character too almost everything works with him and you can't do that with all the other characters you know it's pretty impressive
3: um but yeah I mean we'd, we'd and he's about... got a
5: cape and that's pretty cool
3: it is pretty cool and the yeah. cowl yeah I tried to wear a cowl the other day at my friend's house she her and her boyfriend have like every single replica everything ever and I have like this newfound respect for Batman now after trying to put on the cowl over my hair and like it was like ripping it out and I was just like how can he do this? Of course, a fictional character. Yes. But all I got was like the mask like, to my forehead before I was like, no. Nope. Yeah,
5: I, I got to take this off. Yeah. I'd much rather dress as Robin.
3: Yeah, exactly. Or dress my cat up as Robin.
5: Aw.
3: <laughs> nice. But, I mean, so DC stuff, kind of covered a bit of that what's your independent stuff here i I read bucko which is fantastic with erica Erica moen Moen, yeah and that's that's based in your hometown
5: yeah well we never actually call it portland but it's all it's it's, it's all portland
3: i've visited portland it looks like portland (laughs) It's, it's
5: pretty much it and but i wanted it to also to to work for people everybody has the quirky area that near where they live and i wanted everybody to be able to relate to it
3: and what are these comics here? I know everybody. Can't.
5: Underground was uh, came out a couple of years ago by me and Steve Lieber, and um, it's about a park a park ranger who is an ca- avid caver, Wesley Fisher, and she and another park ranger are being chased through this like mammoth cave like system in Kentucky by these desperate men with guns, and the whole thing hangs on her knowledge of how caves work and how you function in one. Uh, so it's all a real battle versus nature and man uh where she's not the strongest person in the story but she is the most powerful because of what she knows uh and i'm very proud of that one i felt like we pulled off some stuff i had never done in comics before like we've got one scene where
3: we had some technical difficulties but we are back i'm gonna try and attempt to pick up exactly where twitchy we left off
5: Steph got a little <laughs> got a little antsy on the table there and bam <laughs> but yeah wesley fisher is uh is, is really the key figure in this story and uh, because of her knowledge. And I wanted to do a hero like that. And I wanted to have... We have some real claustrophobic scenes and I feel like that's something hard to pull off in comics and I had never done it before this. Steve and I kind of acted out scenes to figure out what it would be like and then he made it work in the drawing. And it's like when you read it, you really start holding your breath. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's something people tend to think comics can't do. I'm pretty proud of that. Another book up here is The Interman, and that was my first big uh, adventure graphic novel about 10 years ago that made people start trusting me as a writer. It's about a guy whose DNA rewrites itself to adapt to his environment, which has also appeared since in other comics, but I'm not complaining about it. Um, Anyway, from that point is where people started asking me to write different things, and in no time no one realized I could draw anymore. But it's okay, because I can write so much faster than I can draw. I didn't
3: even know you drew.
5: It's a secret. Keep it quiet. And uh, (laughs) later this year, though, I've got a new creator-owned thing with uh, artist Sandy Gerald coming out from Oni, and it's called Meteor Men. And uh, it's about essentially the end of the human race, uh, and uh, the focal point is a teenage boy who befriends one of the aliens that are coming to Earth. So... I hope in the fall everybody will give that a look because I'm re- very proud of that. And Sandy really kicked kicked it out of the park with uh, the art.
3: Well, we should talk to you again when that comes out. Yes. And promote it a little bit. Yes. But are, these are all indie, right? Like, did you do these? These are, oh, it that, is Image. That okay. was
5: Image. That was me. Inner Man was me. And uh, Meteor Man will be Oni.
3: Okay. So, I mean, so now you've done stuff with Image, Marvel, DC, you've worked with...
5: Kinda like my everyone. Yeah,
3: and this one was you. Yeah, would you ever do a book that's just self-published again?
5: No, um, except to maybe do it completely online, possibly.
3: Like a uh, series. Yeah,
5: I've I've learned that I don't really enjoy fulfillment. <laughs> and uh, as I think a lot of people who do kickstarters find out quickly, like it's a huge, enormous pain to go mail out all these copies and everything. And I know there are companies that can do it for you, but.
3: I've, I've seen a couple, a couple friends have kickstarted books and uh, one of my friends had, like, enormous success with it and she she tweeted a photo of her apartment right now, which is all yeah, nowhere boxes. To walk. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, nope.
5: But yeah, it's like, it's not as appealing to me now. I uh, just got a lot of stuff out of my basement. I've still got a lot of intermans uh, stored in my basement in a nice dry place. So, you know, that's about all. I, I, I drag those with me to shows. So.
3: Well... I'll ask you this then. So, you've again DC and Marvel. Um, you've done lots of work for them, lots of writing. Is there anything, you know, something a comic that you wrote, and one of the editors took something out, and you wish that it had stayed in? Is there anything like that that's ever kind of come up that you you wish was in the published world?
5: There more more than uh, changes, which is, you know, if, if it's important enough, I'll just battle and be a big pain in the butt till it stays a in.
1: diva. <laughs> yeah.
5: But most of the time, it's like if it doesn't really change what I need to happen in the story, I'll often, like, say, fine. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's got to be boring for editors to never have any input on that way. Um, I understand that. Uh, have
3: you ever done, like, well, something, like, the most... I've heard other people that they do something absolutely ridiculous that they know will be taken out of the book so that they can squeak in something else. i got
5: to admit, I do that a lot. <laughs> I, I, I will often put in a thing that is my sacrificial ingot to be that I know will attract all their attention so the other red thing flags, can get through. Red flags, through. Like, Yeah, cause... and boy, that it works like a charm. There's no reason <laughs> not to do it. Uh, it. Once in a while, though, it backfires on me, and it gets left in, and it's like, wow.
2: Whoopsies.
5: Like I didn't really mean that character to be called the Yolagark yeah. in uh, Red She-Hulk. The Yolagark was just a little joke for the editors, and bam, they left it in to teach me a lesson. <laughs> but uh, what, like what, some things like that. Like you said, you read the the Hulk run. I did. Um, I wanted to do this one more three-part story at the very end of that to kind of wrap that all up. But they're pretty money-tight over there, and they were like, nope, we're wrapping it up, We're gonna Red Hulk's uh, going to go over here, he's going to be in Thunderbolts, all this is going to happen. And i that's the only thing I regret there, is that I really wanted a longer, uh, just an arc to... I wanted to wrap up Hulk's relationship with Annie and uh, all that stuff, and MODOK was going to come back for that, and there was going to be this very definitive end to it. So that... Sometimes, whenever I get a chance to properly end something, I'm very grateful because it, it, that's always what kind of gets cut off.
3: It doesn't always happen at the big two, especially. No. you know. People are taking off things and yeah. shifted around so often that sometimes you don't even know.
5: Yeah, like I wish Kev Walker had been able to finish working on uh, the Thunderbolts Dark Avengers story that we were doing because I really wanted him to to do all of that. It was it's Boss Cage, but I, it was Judge Dredd essentially. And I thought it was just too good to have Kev Walker, who was an original 2080 Judge Dredd artist, you know, doing this story. So, yeah, little things like that—they they get pushed around because they get in demand on other things.
3: So, like with things with Aquaman, for instance. Um, I mean, you you said you have a story that you're working up to. Do you have more than one kind of story in mind, like a way that you want your run to end, or is it kind of you you don't get that kind of mentality going just in case you are taken off
5: the yeah book. I try not to think that far ahead I try to think like six months ahead
3: okay
5: um I also think that keeps you in a better space for a uh, size of a story too okay you know I mean I know you'll hear like Hickman say I, I planned this out until uh 2020 or whatever and it's <laughs> like no they may not even have comics then I better wrap this up knock it off Jonathan um but really, that's just that's just me being conservative, I think. You know, I probably should do it once in a while. But, but I do kind of try to limit it to Here's what's going to happen up through maybe the next year.
3: Okay. And There's, I don't want to take up a...
5: I try to be zen about it. Stay. Well,
3: that makes sense. Yeah. You don't want to get too attached to your character. I know
5: full and... well there might be a big event com- trumping through all the books and I need to adjust There to might it. be. There will be.
3: <laughs> it's an inevitability. Yeah. Um but I'll ask you quickly, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but, I mean, your process, you know, like, how much do you get written in a day or a week? How long does it take you to get, you know, one issue of Aquaman on the stands?
5: I, I tend to spend about a week with each script. Um, I mean, sometimes I can do it faster, but it, dep- it depends on how well I already know what's coming up. And then often, when, once I get into it, other things occur to me and I throw out whatever I was originally going to do, and it's like, oh, this would be cool. Uh, and I think you should do that. I, don't, I, don't, I think sticking to your plan all the time it can be uh, it can be kind of lifeless, you know. You, certainly there should be an opportunity for a character themselves to turn a story in a different direction that you didn't see coming yourself. Uh, and that happens a lot. Like we were talking with Mira. Like, Mira will often, Mira will kind of ride herself, and that's like, Oh, I wish they could all do that you know um, ah, I lost track of what the original well, do you was. need
3: to do you need to alternate between like independent work and you know like your your work for big the big two or yeah,
5: well the annoying thing is no matter what the deadline is that's not what's coming to my head at the time but I, at the same time like if I try to put it off I might forget so you know like oh I really need to get Aquaman done this week, but Flash Gordon is coming to me, so I'll just like, okay let me power through Flash Gordon here so I can get back on Aquaman uh, and also, which, yeah, these auctions are important um, <laughs> no, the, uh, what it does help me to keep, uh, like, multiple projects going at the same time, like if I were just writing one book, I know that sounds like it would be easier, but really then I would feel like I'm just sitting around, like not creating all the time when I'm stuck on something when I'm stuck on a, a point say uh, with Batman 66 I can switch over and ride Aquaman for a while because that's coming to me and then by the time I get back to the Batman 66 story I need to do it's there suddenly it's like it showed up in the back of my head and I can start working on that and that's the way it tends to go so I can kind of keep rotating through them uh, you know and sometimes it's inconvenient like where a bunch of just one thing will come to me but for the most part they all kind of chip in and help give me quality time to, to develop the others.
3: Do you write from home too or do you have to like go out? Like I know if I'm at out. home, okay, cuz like I'm at home and I I mean I don't write comics, but you know, I write reviews and stuff. But if I'm at home, I'm on like Twitter and I'm like I'm going to watch Netflix, but I'm just watching it in the background yeah. and then I wind up watching Netflix like all day. So I yes. have to like go to a cafe or something. That's and what I do. Yeah.
5: I, I start off in a cafe cuz one I need coffee. I'm a horrible horrible Uh and I work there a couple of hours. And then I'll get lunch, and then I'll head downtown to Periscope Studio. And usually, like, I'll try to write as much as I can until I'm kind of blocked. And then by the time I bike down to Periscope or whatever, more has come to me, and then I have more story to, to the write fresh out. Fresh
3: air yeah. is is helped you out.
5: Nah, not you anyway. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it is. He's lead
3: superheroes a character.
5: Wait, let me get a picture of it. <laughs>
2: That's
3: what everyone's saying. Can I get a picture of that? Hey. Right.
5: So anyway, we were just interrupted by a person. Uh, yeah, I, I, I ride as much as I can, and then when I'm kind of out of stuff, like the tank's empty, you know, I literally go turn gears, I go pedaling downtown, and by the time I get to Periscope Studio, I've got things have resolved in my head. Uh... A lot of people will talk about this, like you can go mow the yard or do something white noisy, and it will often help your head.
3: Just clear. uh,
5: Or just your subconscious is working on it, and you need to let it do its thing and tell you what's what's up next. And I guess that's where the...
3: Well, you're not putting pressure on your brain to, like, you know? (laughs) Yes,
5: I guess that's where the concept (laughs) of the muse comes from, because it feels like you're being told, here's the story, write it down, chump. And uh, so then you pound, 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 pound. It, I've had those times though where so much stories started coming to me really fast and I've had to like just keep stopping and pulling over and writing you know and keep getting my computer out and going tapping it wherever I am. Uh, that's awesome. That doesn't always happen, but you know, but still I like to spend about a week on a on a say a 20 or 22 page issue. Okay.
3: I mean, one second. But anyways, we I've I've taken up A whole bunch of your time. That was awesome. Um, That was good. I know. Thank you for taking. We didn't didn't think that. We didn't know what we were even going to talk about. It's been. I can't do math and (laughs) count up what these recordings have added up to, but thank you very much for you know.
5: Well, it was kind of magical too. Everybody kind of went away and gave us a little quiet area for a bit. Except
3: we saw we saw um, a unicycling Wonder Woman.
5: Yeah, unicycle Wonder Woman. And
3: um, the guy dressed up as Strawberry Shortcake.
5: Yeah, we saw that for sure.
3: Yeah, so I mean, this has been a very interesting show. This is why
5: you should never mention uh, miss a Comic Con in your town.
3: Exactly. Because
5: uh, just just imagine what we've seen.
3: Yeah, you can't. <laughs> oh, and there, there is, she goes right there, yeah. Wonder
5: Wondercycle again.
3: I mean, you're in Portland, so you're used to this kind of stuff. I am used stuff, to unicycling
5: Darth Vader, but not Wonder Woman. That's new.
3: You She's get a good photo. too. She get a photo. I mean, she's going through people.
5: Yeah, she's working. like
3: At a convention. It's yeah. kind of impressive. But anyways, I need to get to an auction. So. Thank you for
5: hanging out with me. Thank that was you. awesome.
3: This was good.
2: All right, we're back again. <laughs> oh,
3: I feel like this is deja vu. Wow.
2: wow. Deja vu. Stephanie, what an interview with Jeff Parker. Hell of an interview. Wow. Everybody. You did a fantastic job aquaman all the other jeff parker stuff and we also have a dan jurgens interview coming out next week that you recorded
3: hopefully it's good um you know he had a really interesting talk about the death of superman and uh it was bill Willingham interviewing dan jurgens at the show uh in a panel called god killers and unfortunately the sound might not be great we're going to test it out because the, the the convention center the panel room was just kind of you know it wasn't a room so much as a part of the convention center that was sectioned off with a curtain. Hmm. So you could hear a lot of the shenanigans going on.
2: <laughs> well, we'll try to do some surgery on it and try to do some uh, fixing on it and see if we can get that up. So people can uh, check that out. Um, so let's get what we, we had an interview uh, and let's talk about some uh, listener questions here. Um, so let's see, who should we start with? Um, Okay, here we go. Um, this is from uh, at Liberal Bastion on Twitter, and he says, what is the worst comic book movie that you still enjoy watching, even though it's clearly terrible? <sighs> Stephanie, what? do you have one?
3: Um, I kind of guilty pleasure enjoy Daredevil.
2: Hmm. I feel like Daredevil, though, is like, it's not terrible. It's like, it's just mediocre to me. That's just my opinion.
3: Maybe it's just a terrible daredevil
2: movie <laughs> <laughs> um for me it's probably the punisher which one probably both of them really Ah, oh, come on the Dolph Lundgren man no not the no not, not many times I'm talking about the more modern I'm talking about the Tom Jane one and then oh, the, okay then the uh, war zone one uh with Ray Stevenson uh the Ray Stevenson one is insane it's the, the violence in it is unbelievable um but it's a lot of fun they're not good movies but they are definitely fun movies to watch what about you Steve Oh good God! That I still enjoy watching. Mm-hmm.
0: Does uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen count? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I like that movie. It is in fact a terrible movie that you enjoy. Yeah. I do enjoy it. I think it's <laughs> what I
0: actually. I watched it like two weeks ago after we brought it up on the show, and I still like it. It's uh, it's stupid. It's kind of it's well, it's campy as hell. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I enjoy I enjoy the world that they attempted to make. And I love I love seeing Sean Connery amidst all these other, you know, characters. He was the quarter main character mm-hmm. in that. Yes. And uh I don't know. It a movie that has those characters in it with you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and and all that stuff. The dude with the submarine hmm. and uh the invisible man was funny. He was kind of like an invisible uh Johnny Storm <laughs> of the group. Right. And uh I don't know. It's pretty terrible, but it's it's kind of fun. And I like The Avengers with mm. um, Uma Thurman and Ray Fiennes oh, yeah. and Sean Connery. I mm. like that movie a lot.
2: So <laughs> kiss, kiss my ass. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this question is, um, Dyer Harris and George Alexander basically kind of asked the same question. Um, asking about what upcoming comic in 2014 are we most excited for? Steve, you're pumping your fist. I am
0: pumping my fist. <laughs> because I had I had an immediate usually these tr- questions trip me up and I had an immediate answer for this one. I'm really excited about Scott Snyder's Witches mm. that's coming out. Uh I saw a tweet from him a couple of days ago where he basically said he's like I need to take a break. Um you know, I've been writing and working on the book and this is the scariest thing that I've ever written and it's even freaking me out. Mm. I'm going to go for a walk. I want to read that. <laughs> I want to I want to know what Scott Snyder has been writing that unnerves the man himself yeah that sounds like a fun book
3: to
2: me yeah absolutely stephanie do you have one
3: yes Um, really excited for kelly sue's bitch planet <laughs> um, best ever yeah i think probably bitch planet's up there i'm trying to think of the other one uh low by oh, remender. The remender
2: book yeah hmm.
3: yeah i think maybe that one more so because like kelly sue's is just kind of a premise but you know rick reminder's book seems a little bit more fleshed out right now and, mm. and like there's more to be excited about like because it's it's soon yeah and he's, oh, been, and he's the, been
2: killing it lately too yeah and the yeah. wicked
3: and the divine comes I, that's out the too. one
2: for me the yeah. w- oh wicked i and won't the even sorry
3: then i yeah you you say it then
2: the wicked and the divine is the one for me Jamie McKelvey, oh. and, yeah and kieran gillen i mean i i absolutely love um young their young avengers stuff together and that was an, and kieran gillen has been one of my favorite writers since we started this mm. um and it, from all I've heard, I think again, I saw a tweet about, I think it I forgot. I don't remember who it was from. I think it was like Sam Humphreys or something like that said that it was, or Dennis Hopeless or something like that said that it was everything that you love about the two of them like amped up to the, the nice. nth degree. So I'm really, really excited um, about
0: that. I'm also excited for Warren. I believe he has a series coming out, Warren Ellis called Trees. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. Um, I've seen some uh, like
2: early artwork for that mm-hmm. and that's got me excited.
3: Yeah. Um, it's all up. Like they did a preview for it.
2: Yeah. Hey, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think those are all image books.
3: <laughs> I, I think they are. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I mean, I'm excited for other stuff too. But I mean, that's the, the, the that w- Nick Wicked and the Divine book is is one for me. And George Alexander actually mentioned witches, and he mentioned Lowe as two of the ones that he's most excited about. I think
3: mm-hmm. it's hard, like you know, it's it's hard to kind of put like Marvel and DC books that are like on the horizon in my you know, most excited for. Cause like in some form or another, most of them have been done before, yeah. but like the image stuff, you know, it's all original and it's mm-hmm. all things that are being put out by some of the like greatest people in our industry right now.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also, and, it's more exciting because you don't, yeah. it has a potential, a potential obviously to not be, as good but it also has the potential to be amazing and that's kind of like it's not like applebee's which is you know it's going to be in seven Mm -hmm. probably you know this Mm -hmm. could be this could be like the comic that changes your life could be one of these books
3: yeah it's there's no backstory to wade through yeah and you're just getting a fresh uh like slate for like new characters a new story and i i just i love that like it's just so refreshing Mm
0: -hmm. yeah steve I got one more. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to the next installment in the Disney Kingdoms line. It's called Figment. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be written by Jim Zub with art by Felipe Andre. Yeah. Uh, Those are old characters. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of like really old school characters that have not been around for a long time. They're kind of lurking around Disney as, you know you have to be this tall to ride Space Mountain mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be very curious to see what that creative team does with that property. I think it'd be really cool to bring them back.
2: Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, I'm, The only Marvel series I can think of right at the top of my head that I'm really excited for is probably Spider-Man 2099. Mm-hmm. With Peter David and Will Sliney uh, doing that, but not nearly as excited as I am. I mean, I'd be pretty books.
3: excited about the Scotty Young Rocket Raccoon, yeah. too, but that's not even near like the image stuff.
2: Yeah, I know absolutely um so uh like i said last week we uh, i think or the week before we had our our biggest month um ever and we obviously have a lot of new a lot of new listeners out there and this is a story that we've told a few times before but i feel like with uh a a huge amount of new listeners we should probably address it um again and this is from Mm -hmm. uh marquiso um on on facebook and says how did you all meet and or come together to form the group uh, on the podcast? Um, so for the, all the people who are new who haven't heard this and the people who have, we're sorry because you've heard it a few times already, but um, it all really started with The New 52 was really the way that, that, it, that it happened. Um, I had been doing a couple of other podcasts beforehand, one called fanboy remix that was with, um, Brian Verderosa, Jackie Turner, who's on talking games and Bob Ryer, obviously who was here uh, on this show with us. And I was also doing Dr. Who cast as well. And I was enjoying doing both of those. Um, and then I started reading books from the new 52 came out because it was a way for me to jump into comics that I, that I wanted to check out and look at the stuff for these movies that, I you know, that I love the base, the source material. (laughs) And I started reading them and I was spending money on them. And what tends to happen with me is when I start spending money on hobbies, I tend to try to have to justify it to myself why I'm spending so much money on them. So I figure I have to create something productive out of it. And so I decided to do a comic book podcast um, and, and website And I had done a lot of shows. Like I said, I'd done two shows. And I'd done Family Remix for like three years before I'd done it. And i had learned a lot of stuff about what to do right and what to do wrong. (laughs) Um, Family Remix was an awesome, awesome show. I thought that the content was great, but no one listened to it. And um, Doctor Who Cast was also a lot of fun. And it was bigger than Family Remix. But I think it had had like a shelf had a cap on it. And I think that's because I always focused on podcast first and then worried about the site. as kind of a very secondary thing. Yeah. So I would have one thing going up every every week with that which would be the podcast. And it was tough to gain traction that way.
3: I listened to it, Bobby.
2: Thank you very much, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and so from the beginning, I decided, okay, so if we're going to do this, we're going to do reviews. And I, I was already doing the other shows with Brian and, and I knew Brian wasn't currently reading comic books, but that he had really, really been into them uh, for a long time. Um, and I also knew we'd like to do a podcast with him and I knew that he'd be good on mic. So I asked him to do it. Um, and I also asked Brad Jones to do it, who is a, is a great friend of mine and who I'd done other stuff with. He'd been on February Mix for a little while as well, way back. Um, and wanted to do, really, it's a good excuse to have a conversation with your friend every, every week, you know, cause as you get older, it's tougher to keep in contact with the people that you're, you're close to. And that was yeah. kind of part of it as well. Um, I asked him and then, um, there was a fourth spot open and I, you know, I had asked, I, I put a feel to a couple people and I put on Facebook does anyone been interested in doing a comic book podcast? And I, do, I don't know if a minute had gone by <laughs> before Steve I. had responded and said that he wanted to do it. And um, at the time, I didn't really know. I knew Steve, but I didn't know him very well. Um, you know, I, he, I seen him around at parties and we had talked a few times. But uh, but I know that he was writing um, for for Joe Blow. Mm-hmm. Um And I knew he had been doing something else with some girl who wrote for Joe Blow. um, (laughs) And I didn't know who that person was. Some girl. Some girl. Um, Some girl who reads comics. Imagine that. (laughs) So I, I was like, okay. So we brought him on. And the first thing we did was I said, okay, we need to get reviews of every single number one of the new 52 out before we do a podcast. So it was about probably about a month uh, of getting the, getting the site up and running and launching the site. And then we did our first podcast. I believe we started doing stuff in September and our first podcast was at like, I think the end of September, beginning of October. Yeah, that sounds about right. When we first did our first show. Um, and it started out with the four of us. And then, you know, people don't always realize how much work it's going to take to do one of these things. You know, it's kind of impossible to realize it because it feels like, okay, we're going to record for, An hour or two hours in a week and that's the way to do but there's so much other work involved in it and people have lives and for brian and brad you know the other stuff that they were doing kind of wasn't allowing them to spend the time on on talking comics and you know to their credit they both they both bowed out themselves and just basically said look i want this to be great it can't be great with me doing this like this so we're gonna bow out so that left steve and i to find some other people. And Steve suggested Stephanie. hmm um, <laughs> And, you know, to be fair, like, I didn't know Stephanie at all, but I was like, okay, it, it, I, I, it'd be cool to have a girl on the show. Definitely. It, um, it, it breaks up, like, that very standard, you know, what you hear on every single show point of view. Dudes. Dudes. You know, 20-something dudes. Like, that's kind of what every, every show- Comic book sausage fest. It is. Um, and the similar thing was, I, I had asked Bob to do the show initially, and he had said no, because he was like, "I don't, re- I'm not reading in the Fifty Two stuff or whatever." And so we had op- started opening up the show to other books at this point. Mm-hmm. So we asked Bob to do it, and he joined in. I mean, Steve, from your perspective, when you saw that kind of uh, that message on Facebook, did you have any idea of how much work and money you were going to spend? <laughs> uh the money
0: part, you know, it was <laughs> I was a lot more prepared to be throwing down every week, but I had a lot more money back then. <laughs> I don't so much these days. Um, Was I prepared? Uh, I think so. I had been looking for something to do to kind of occupy my time. I was really excited about the prospect of getting into comics. Uh, It was something that I always dabbled in, but never went full force. Felt like I was missing out on stuff. And um, just had from listening to the, you know, the Doctor Who cast and being friends with everyone within the circle. um, I kind of felt like on the outside of things for a bit. And the opportunity to come onto a show and to try it out and, you know, wreak havoc of my personality on others (laughs) presented itself. And I said, you know, let's let's try it out. Because you asked, you know, do you know anybody that would like to do it? And I said, well, I would like to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, then when we were looking for other people, I immediately thought of Stephanie. Her and I were working on um, a project that she had put together called The NeverEnding Story Project. And we were both working at Joe Blow at the time, uh, and she just there was there was a special quality about Stephanie that I knew would work for the show, and so I said, "Just trust me, trust me. This is this is a really cool, girl. Got to have her on." And it it took maybe a, a few shows for everybody to get comfortable, but once we did, when once and also once Bob was on board. Mm-hmm. I mean the, the chemistry just started popping.
2: Yeah. You know? And we, we got look, I mean it's it's a it's planning and it's work, but it's it was also a lot of luck to end up with four it's the way I wanted to be, but it's something it's have to do this four completely different viewpoints and ways of approaching, you know, books. I mean, we are incredibly lucky obviously to have Bob on the show mm-hmm. who who is just like a, a human history lesson and can talk about the history of these books and the continuity of these books. And we have, you know, Steve and I, who we love the characters, but we're newer to it. So we, I think we have, we have less steep. So it, I think it equals a much more interesting conversations. Um, and Stephanie, you have awesome perspectives because not only do you have you, do you read comics and you read different comics than we do, you know, you, you read a lot more web comics and you are always looking out for really cool stuff. Um, you also have a perspective of being someone who is not a creator, but someone who knows the industry very, very well. So I think it's been awesome for you, Stephanie. What was it like for you to join the show?
3: I, I was so nervous. <laughs> you know, I, I'd only done like a handful of podcasts, usually for like Joe Blow, I'd guest on some of their stuff. And I mean, I'd always like worked in, I mean, I I, I was like the senior editor for the digital portion of Joe Blow. And I'd always somehow work out like comic book articles and stuff and like, yeah, this is relevant. I can make this relevant. It's totally relevant. Um, And, you know, Steve was like, you should like do comic stuff with us. And I was just like, okay. (laughs) Um, And, but like, then I was like, oh my God. Okay. I said, okay. My God, I have to like, I have to, you know. I have to do research. I have to read, like, everything again. And, like, I have to I have to get back into like. I, I was living in the middle of nowhere at the time with no comic shops. And I would, you know, write out notes at first. And then, you know, I'd read everything. And I'd be like, I think that this comic book is great because... And then, like, list off the points that I'd, like, written down because I was so nervous. <laughs> and then it just, like, got so much fun. Like, a lot of people write into us and they say they like the show because... It's like friends talking, but that's what the show became to me, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it, I was so nervous at first, but you guys are like one of the best parts of my week, you know, and getting to talk comics with you guys. And that's what it is to me. It's like my time to come on here and talk about a huge passion of mine mm-hmm. and uh, for all of us. And, you know, we don't always agree, but you know. We're never asshats to each other either, <laughs> um, and it, it's it's been so much fun to do this show and to see it grow. And I mean, where it was when we started versus now is just like mind-boggling. Yeah,
2: I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, it, it it is it is pretty it is pretty crazy uh, where we kind of come. And I remember like Stephanie. And I used to have like very long conversations after the show because she would be ask me like a million questions about how she did and what she did to be better. <laughs> and you know, it's it's awesome because that's what you, that's what you need. You know, you need to want to be better at it. And you know, there is a point where I think you know you hit your stride, and it, it's been great ever since then. And it's funny because I think sometimes you beat yourself up because you get you get a little bit um, scatterbrained sometimes with when you're <laughs> describing things. Slash always. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's one of the. I think that's a reflection of the friends talking thing because it's not a mannered prepared way to talk about it. You're just Mm -hmm. talking about it, how you would talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I think people react to that. And you know, that's what I've always strived to do with all the shows that I've ever done is I want, they have to have a structure to them obviously, but the structure should just be there to make sure the conversation doesn't go on forever. It's not to stop it from being a conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're now at 134 episodes. I think it was 134. Damn, 135. I'm not sure which. I think 134. Um, and it's it's crazy. You know, we it was so weird to me when we did Amazing Spider-Man a couple weeks ago because we did that reviewed the first movie. Mm-hmm. And it was two years ago, and I couldn't believe that it was two years between the two when we got to that point. So um, yeah, it's been it's just been great and amazing. And it, so it's you know there are times because the site has gotten much, much bigger and we have a lot of contributors and a lot of listeners. And there are definitely times where I can get bogged down in it feeling like work. And, but then when we get to sit down and actually do the show in the moment of the show, it Hmm. never feels that way. And I'm very, very thankful, you know, for that. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it's been an incredible journey. Yeah. I mean, not just the, the creators that we've met and that we've spoken to. I mean, one of the beautiful things about the show is that we've had so many people on here. Like there is time when I pick up books and I'm like, Oh, right. Like we had that interview with <laughs> mm-hmm. with so and so not too long ago, and you know, having the personal interactions with the people, but also the fans. um I mean everybody, everybody that interacts with us and everybody that's contributed and been cool and the whole thing you're all you're all fantastic. Mm. but I mean, over the past two years, there are some really stand out people that I've never even met that are at this point, like some of my closest friends. Mm. People that I talk to every day. We have Hugh Parry coming out to New York City Comic Con this year all the way from Wales. Yeah. For like ten days or fifteen days or whatever it is. Never met any of us a day in his life, and he's coming all the way from Wales to chill with us and go to the show and bum around New York City and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. That's just awesome. Yeah. You know, when we had the reaction to, to, you know, getting the domain name, Mm. five days, five days, and and people slap down their hard-earned money because they believe in the show and they want to give back and want to see us do well. And, you know, it's just all of that stuff. It doesn't matter how shitty a day I'm having.
2: I can always reach out to a handful of people because of this that will make my day better. Yeah absolutely. It's been, it's been awesome. And uh, I mean, and, and we'll let Bob get a chance to answer that question. I think next week when he, he's back, but uh, yeah, I mean, and I, I, we said this a bunch of times and I know Stephanie said, it, I think we've all said it, but in my mind, a huge part of the reason that we have gotten where we are is because of Bob. Absolutely. Um, you know, Bob brings a context to everything that we talk about that. I don't, I don't think any, anyone else in the world that does this stuff has that person. No one else has a Bob Ryer, So <laughs> incredibly important. And, and I think, it's it's been really really great uh, unless happening.
3: they do is bob Breyer cheating on us with other yeah. podcasts kill him
2: <laughs> he's not really sick yeah <laughs> he's doing the i fanboy podcast Motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> uh, so thank you very much for that question um this is from declan glasgow and he says which of the up-and-coming marvel netflix series are you looking forward to the most stephanie
3: what's the ones that are on netflix uh
2: luke cage daredevil iron fist and jessica jones
3: um, I don't know. I've been really digging the Iron Fist comic, so I'm gonna go with that. That could be interesting.
2: Yeah, Steve, mm-hmm. remind me who's Jessica Jones? She is uh Luke Cage's wife. She's like they have a private invest. She's like, a, now she's a private investigator.
0: They're gonna have separate shows.
2: Yeah, but they're gonna come together for that. Um, what's it called? I want to uh, see her show. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's the one I want to see because I don't know anything. <laughs> so, uh,
2: yeah, I'm gonna go with Jessica Jones and Iron Fist. Yeah, um, Daredevil for me it's I absolutely figured. daredevil all right yeah, absolutely i can't wait and it's the one coming first so i really just want to watch the ben them, affleck be movie
3: over and over again i don't want a netflix show
2: <laughs> yeah, lots of as much evanescence as possible please.
0: <laughs> oh god no oh. wake me up dude i saw them at <laughs> say Ozfest, say and they were awful there's nothing worse than seeing a band live that all they sound like is their album being played really loud you and, be
3: fair that doesn't mean much because you think a lot of bands are awful That is so not true. It is really true. Pretty true. I showed you like once when we like used to talk like regularly all the time. I'd be like, you know, music's such an intimate part of you, and I'd be like, this is like my favorite band ever, and like you not even like politely would be like, damn, fuck, it sucks. You did that, and then I had to stop talking music with you because be like, they're fucking terrible. I did. I can't believe you like that band.
2: I like (laughs) (laughs) Gogeta. That's pretty funny. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this is from Levi Remington. Um, He he says, um, he says some very nice words about us. He he loves the show. And it's probably the only podcast I've gone back and listened to really old episodes just to hear more material because I enjoy it so much. Um, Anyway, here's my question. What collected edition of any comic, omnibus, absolute, library edition do you own? And are most prideful of? And while we're on the subject, what collected edition do you wish you could own, but you just haven't gotten around to getting it yet? Ooh. And Steve, yes. if you mention the Absolute Sandman volumes again, and then go another couple of years without eventually buying them, <laughs> I will eat an apple.
0: Shit. <laughs> that was my answer. <laughs> Damn it.
2: As a pure trade waiter, these are the burning questions that demand answers. Thank my- you. And to be continued. All right. Well, my most... Uh,
0: we'll come back to me, but my most treasured... Um, comic book volumes that i own i own the calvin and Hobbes, mm-hmm. like super deluxe 200 hundred dollar treasury put like you know five more adjectives on that version i mean these are full full blown three huge volumes all cloth bound all stitched in the pages are thick they're gorgeous all the colors it looks it looks Like it just came out of the printer Mm -hmm. and it's everything. It's the story of how they were, how they were created Um, little Easter eggs for all the, all the different uh, strips that went on. And that is still to this day and might even be for the rest of, of all time, my absolute favorite comic strip and maybe my favorite thing in comics ever. Like growing up, Calvin and Hobbes was my thing. I pretty much learned how to read on Garfield and Calvin and Hobbes. Like, that was my... Like, sit in sit in bed with my mom and I would read aloud to her kind of things. And I would always pick up the newest Calvin and Hobbes and Garfield from the Scholastic book sales that we had at school. Mm. Um, so that was, like, that was my jam. Like, I had every, every... Every time I went to the Port Jeff library, it was
2: straight to the Garfield and Calvin and Hobbes section. Mm-hmm. Cool. So Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and anyone that you want to own that you don't? Other than Sandman? <laughs> <laughs> um... I would love to have a
0: complete. Um, nah, no, no, because I have so many
2: of those. Um, come back, I'll think. Come back to me. Okay, all right. I, I don't think I don't know if I I, I own um, the first the first volume of the Hellboy uh, one, which is pretty awesome. That would be nice. I want like I want all of them. That again, that's something else I would want. Like all those beautiful hardbound Hellboy collections that they yeah, put out. That's Because um, they're just incredibly gorgeous. Um, you know. These are the ones that I'm I'm going to get that I just haven't gotten yet. They just released a kind of a Day Tripper Deluxe Edition Hmm. uh, hardcover that I'm definitely going to get. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm definitely getting that. We we talked about a couple the last two weeks. We talked about this comic, but the uh, Uncanny X Force Omnibus. I'm definitely going to get that.
3: Also great.
2: Yeah, there's a couple. Um, there's a good taste
3: or something. (laughs) Yeah,
2: there's a couple Grant Morrison ones I want. I want the Doom Patrol and I want the Invisibles um and he actually batman incorporated is coming out uh, an, an absolute edition mm. and in that re- reason i'm really excited about it is not that the in artists weren't good but chris burnham went back in and redrew all of the issues that he missed on the Ooh. run um f- from the in artists so it's all make all chris burnham art throughout the entire thing so i'm really really excited um about that uh so yeah that's that's mine stephanie what about you
3: um, well, I feel like it should come as no surprise that I have all of the Fables deluxe editions in right. hardcover, mm-hmm. which I love. And, like, you know, as a fan first, um, they're just beautiful. Um, I've got, I think, actually, that my favorite, um, I have, I've talked about this webcomic a few times, The Abominable Charles Christopher mm-hmm. um, by Carl Kerschel. And uh, Carl has printed, you know, uh, the the first and second volume of the comic now and you can get them in soft cover but the original printings are these velvet covers. Um, they don't even have the title on the front. They're just an imprint, like a picture of uh, whatever. Like the first one is, the, is Charles Christopher. And um, I have like original sketches inside of each of them uh, and they're like signed and they're just beautiful the paper is beautiful the quality is beautiful and the story is if you haven't read it it's just incredible uh you can look at the entire comic online for free at abominable.cc but these hardcovers are seriously two of my prized possessions because they're just stunning
0: mm. hmm. awesome so i thought of something okay uh, can, I, can i make one up sure yeah all right What i really really want is a like zag
3: guy? Super... What?
2: What? A... All you is space girls, it's a space Girls thing. Oh, mm-hmm. zag guy! Wow. Whatever. <laughs> Derail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um, I want a like super special edition lock and key set. Oh yeah, that's gonna cut. that's coming. Yeah, but like <laughs> I know like what I want. I want the I want the cupboard that you put things in and mm-hmm. it fixes them. Yeah. I want a stand stand up cupboard that you open it up. And each one of the volumes is like leather bound and has a like a clip on the spine that you actually have to use like a replica key to open it up. Mm -hmm. And that would be for each volume. And there'll be, you know, six within within the cabinet. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. awesome. Uh, And I would also love a I don't know what the hell you put it in. I would love a omnibus or a collection of sweet tooth. Oh yeah, because my sweet tooth is—I have like the first few trades, and then the rest is single issues. Mm -hmm. I hate that. Yeah, that's the same deal I have with my lock and key. Mm -hmm. Like two and three are all single issues, and the rest are hard covers and soft covers, Mm -hmm. and it's
2: a mess. Yeah, (laughs) Stephanie, is there anything that you want that you don't have yet? Um,
3: I mean, there's lots of things I want. (laughs) I I want the. Eventually, I want to get the Planetary Omnibus, Mm. Um, but kind of once I'm—I'm not quite at the end of that yet. And so I, I don't want to own it to try and read it through for the first time because I would need one heck of a coffee table right. <laughs> to to put that on. Um, there's so much. Every yeah. time I go into, you know, a bookstore and like I see the I Kill Giants volumes mm. and like um, the sword collected, in yeah. uh, the big giant omnibuses, and again the Hellboy stuff. Yeah, like I just and like the Parker Martini editions.
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh, I got that. Yeah, the thing's gorgeous.
3: I want it all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I can get you that for real I cheap if you like. It all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously.
3: <laughs> I, I know BMV used to have them really cheap, but I might take you up on that.
0: Um, you can drop it mm, off
3: after you go to London, since I live really close to the airport. Again, well, FYI. I'm going
0: the um, I'm going the <laughs> Saturday, so um, Toronto. No, I'm flying into Buffalo. But
3: then so, you're going. Anyway, to, okay, whatever. Anyway, I don't whatever,
0: want to waste anyways. air time. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll talk. But seriously, um, I got my Martini edition of Parker for twenty bucks, and it was like just fresh out of the package, gorgeous.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So
2: we'll talk. <laughs> um, so we let's see. We got another question here. Um, all right. So, we'll, I'll ask the first part of the question, and then we'll think about it, and then we'll go to the second part of the question, which is easier. And then we'll come back to the first part of the question. All mm, right? Okay. So this is from Ben. He says, hey, guys, I have two questions, if that's all right. It's all right, Ben. Um, first. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> what, would you, what would be your Mount Rushmore of comic creators? Oh, boy. Um, to make it more interesting, let's assume Stan and Jack are obvious choices and take them out of the equation. Um, second, I was wondering what comic, movie, TV show, or novel, so it doesn't have to be a comic book version of any of those things, just any of those things, that the rest of the world seems to hate, but you absolutely love. So something that you love—a book, a movie, a comic book, a TV show—that you think is awesome that everybody else seems to hate. Um, um I think *Starship Troopers* is pretty awesome. I dude, Star, *Starship Troopers* is awesome. But a lot of people hate that movie. I got a lot of hate. Why would you hate that? I don't movie? know, but that movie is awesome. But that so good. <laughs> that movie is awesome. Um, that's the first thing that comes to my to my head because oh. it's always the one that I get a little grief for.
3: I things. feel like Bob's would be Birds of Prey for a TV show.
2: Oh yeah, probably. Bob does love Birds of Prey. So. <laughs>
3: I'm gonna. I'm answering for him. <laughs> I'm speculatively, speculatively.
2: Yes. Do you have something, <laughs> Stephanie? Some piece of media that you love that everybody else seems to hate?
3: Um, you know, for the longest time, people like I guess when I wasn't really hanging out in like comic book circles, people told me that they hated the Hellboy movies, and I loved them, and I was like, I couldn't figure out why people we're just like not on board with them. And like, that's not really the same. Like, I I feel like in the comic community, the Hellboy movies are widely appreciated. Yes. But you know, like prior to me kind of like when I was reading comics, but not really going to like the snail to hang out and stuff, people were like, Oh, that movie's so bad. (laughs) And I was like, no, no, I love this. This is good. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good here. Bye. (laughs) Bye everyone else.
2: (laughs) Um, I re- oh, this movie generally when people watch it they, t- they tend to like it but people tend to hate it on face value i love the speed racer movie oh okay i've uh, never
0: watched
2: that oh it's so good it's fantastic i've and it got heard s- that it got such bad press when it came out and look it's a two and a half hour long kids movie so that's a problem don't get me wrong but it's like it, it looks amazing the the races it's like watching like live action mario kart battles uh, uh, for some of the tracks the sense of speed is amazing. The performances are great. You know, it just can't be enough. I I I love that movie so much. I know
3: people like the same boat as you. Like, I know yeah. several like comic book people that like that is their favorite movie of all time. Like, love that yeah. movie.
2: It's crazy, but it's it's so, so good.
0: <laughs> Steve, do you, you have anything? I'm <sighs> gonna catch so much crap for this. The Garbage Pail Kids movie. You love that movie? I in in it is so it is so terrible that it's amazingly good. (laughs) I have, I rented that from a video store called Mr. C's video back in the day that actually used to be below my apartment that I live in. Now (laughs) I wore out two VCRs watching that movie again and again. (laughs) I own it on DVD. It is so terrible, but I love it. I laugh my ass off. I laugh my ass off every time that I watch it. I watch it at least twice a year. Hmm. It's, it's, awful (laughs) you know what else was awful was i frankenstein and you why'd you watch i frankenstein
2: yeah i
0: I like to watch bad movies (laughs) when i'm by myself late at night to fall asleep Uh, okay makes sense that movie definitely makes sense that movie was so over the top bad that i i almost loved it to death (laughs) because it was so watching actors like bill Nye and uh What's his name Aaron uh the dude who was two face was his name escape him Aaron Eckert yeah playing like the the extent of his performance was <laughs> like it's Aaron Eckert man you're so much better than this yeah. and there's there's gargoyle people and they're oh God demons and they're fighting each other and all the CGI was bad and the whole movie was bad it was like Van Helsing turned up to 11 bad.
2: Oh, my God. Oh, I loved it. Van Helsing is not good. No, it's not. It's pretty fucking horrible.
3: Kate Beckinsale in the clouds afterwards. (laughs) Spoilers, Stephanie. What?
2: I said spoilers.
3: I don't care. You shouldn't watch it. You shouldn't watch it because she dies, everyone. And then she shows up in the clouds and is like, I forgive you.
2: It's so (laughs) stupid. Sounds great.
3: It's so stupid. Sounds
0: great. All right. I can't believe all I can come up with this Garbage Bell Kids movie. I know that there's like a thousand other
3: no. things. You'll,
2: you'll think of it. I'll think of it. Um, So let's talk about Mount Rushmore of comic creators here. All right. um, I'm so, opposed
3: to this question because we don't have this in Canada.
2: Do you not know what it is?
3: I'm kidding. I've totally actually <laughs> been there.
2: <laughs> I've actually been there too. I've never been there. So, I have. Um, you all Family well, vacation. Suck I'll in America.
3: There. Bobby. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> what? So what is it? is it? How many faces is it? Four? Four. 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 Okay.
3: God. So
0: sorry i'm sorry because washington abraham lincoln roosevelt
2: and jefferson jefferson let's go Jefferson. good americans um
3: yeah just carry on innovators
2: yeah so i'll go first for me um this is just kind of almost neat top of my head kind of stuff but um it's uh alan moore uh mark wade george Mm -hmm. perez and grant morrison all right those are my four stephanie
3: oh god you know, like I knew this question was coming and yet I just kind of was like, a-der, 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 a-der. <laughs> Um, uh, Steve, what do you think?
0: <laughs> All right. Well, my, if I was to, if I was given a mountain and they said, carve us a Mount Rushmore of comics, mine would be Scott Snyder, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Mark Wade, and Jonathan Hickman. All right. Yeah. Oh,
3: Well, now I have to like come up with something. (laughs) Yes, you do. Um, I would guess Brian K. Vaughn. Brian K. Vaughn would be one of them. Um, (laughs) Mike Mignola. I have a newfound love for like Mm. the Mignola verse. Mm -hmm. Um, What things do I read a lot of?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why can't you're not going to put you're not going to put Bill on there? No Willingham on the uh,
3: <laughs> do that. That would, Mount Steffmore. You know he doesn't believe me, but like I owned like everything that Bill had done up until like we started working together. Hmm. Like I have everything, and he's just like, you don't listen, you don't watch it. Watch it, read it." <laughs> um, but, be
2: very impressive if you were watching it. Yeah, <laughs> you just yeah. stare at the books. Yeah, I, I have you.
3: insider info. No, I don't. But <laughs> um and you know what like oh i was gonna say an artist i'm trying to think of who i love dearly
2: you're knocking it out As of the park art-
3: shut up bobby <laughs> <laughs> no one asked you
0: yannick paquette
3: <laughs> i do enjoy yannick paquette but i think i'm gonna go with terry moore
2: Oh okay yeah that's a good one for you absolutely yep. absolutely um so uh let's see okay one more question quick um We obviously, most likely we're going to have a Doctor Strange movie in 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, And Nicholas is supposing that around the time that movie comes out, we're going to get a book, a a Doctor Strange ongoing series for Marvel, maybe the year before, just like they did with Guardians to amp up the character, which would put us probably pretty soon, coming pretty soon for a character. So he wants to know um, what artist and writer for the series that you would want to, and what would you want them to do with the character? Let's just keep it to artist and writer. We don't want to go into the the plots Mm. right now, but um, he would want, just so he would want them, he would want someone to really define limits, extents to Strange's power, and flesh out the magical world he resides in. But artist and writer, we want to see do a Doctor Strange book. Okay. Stephanie.
3: Um, writer. Walt Simonson.
2: Why are you saying it in a funny voice?
3: I don't know. I'm trying to think of things on the top of my head. On the fly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. And Chris Because what shouldn't he draw? Because, well, of course, why not? Exactly. I can't go wrong.
2: Yeah, that you are not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um Let's see. Um for that's tough. The writer the writer I'm not sure about right now. Yeah, but see artist, that's why
3: I had to share the things.
2: Uh Francesco Francavilla. <gasps> Ooh. Because it's crazy and dark and like weird and you know it's I think it's mm-hmm. like right up Marvel's alley right now to pick an artist with yeah. that unique of a style to to do the character. A fine choice. Yeah. Um. I'll think about the writer, but Steve, have you got anything for us?
0: I got uh, Emma Rios doing okay. art. She did the art for season one yeah. of Doctor Strange, and I loved it. Mm. Um, Jordy Belair on colors, if you please, of course. And I would like to see Alesh Kott. Uh, weird. Tackle. I know it would be weird, and I <laughs> I kind of would want weird. Uh, if we were going to go into magic and and demons and other realms and sorcery and stuff, um, he's got a very uh, he's got a lot of personality mm-hmm. to the stuff that he works on. I love 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 what he's doing with Secret Avengers right now. It mm. is hilarious.
2: There it goes, my phone. Gonna mess up the thing again. I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> um I might have to actually take this. Um, yeah. So there you go. There are my answers.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, Kieran Gillen for the writer for me. Which Excellent. Would, would definitely be someone I would love to see write Dr. Strange because it's just so weird. It would, I think it would really, really work. Um, so that's going to be it for for listener questions for this week. Guys, thank you so much. We've got a ton of questions. Uh, really awesome for everyone. There's a couple we didn't get to, um, but we will definitely try and get to more. We'll, we're trying to keep it a regular part of the show, even if it's not the focus of our show um next week obviously we're doing the days of future past um review and we're also gonna have a we're gonna have a guest as well um is it anthony
3: yeah anthony yeah anthony johnson
2: anthony johnson who writes umbral Mm -hmm. oh cool yeah so the show's gonna be a little bit like uh he he has a book coming out uh, um next wednesday i believe Mm -hmm. so we're gonna we want the interview to come out that day so we're not gonna separate it onto a friday we're gonna do a show. It's basically it's gonna be a quick book segment next week. We're gonna do like we're gonna do like lightning round only, and then we're gonna do this interview, and then we're gonna do a review of Days of Future Past. So it's gonna be a, a okay. packed episode for you guys, and we're very very excited um, to talk to Anthony and, and um, yeah, and also review the movie. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, we gotta get to this week's releases. That's what we need to talk about. It's on the shelves right now. What we're spending all our on the shelves, our hard earned money and
0: greenbacks. Um,
2: I, uh, because I hate having money, I went to uh, the comic book shop um, the other day when I was stopping to buy dinner and I got um, the trade of Batman the Black Mirror, Scott Snyder stuff before the New 52 started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also picked up the hardcover of Alabaster Wolves and Alabaster Grimmer oh, Tales. Yes, yeah. nice.
3: I was yeah. actually talking with Steve Lieber. Oh, really? Yeah. He did yeah. a... Him and Jeff Parker did a book called Underground, which I talked about in the interview with him that you've all have already listened to. Yes, yeah. And he did a beautiful <laughs> sketch in the back of my book for me. Woo! Oh, cool! Yeah. yeah,
2: he's doing great stuff on. Um, Was it Spear of Foes? Right. He's yeah. The on yes. It. I
0: um I picked up. I ordered from Amazon yesterday, so it should actually be by my house today or tomorrow. Uh, what I like to call the Stephanie and Kate Leth special, I ordered Hark a Vagrant and another book that I saw Kate Leth recommend called This One Summer.
2: Okay. So, um yeah, I'll probably be talking about those next week. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. And um uh Joey Esposito is running a Kickstarter for uh, another volume of Footprints. Sweet. Um his kind of, uh, you know, myth- mythical creatures, Creatures of Myth solving crimes gonna kind of dealio uh this one's in color last one wasn't in color um he's trying to raise money on there i believe he's like 60 about 70 percent to his goal at this point nice um if you like to check that out um go to kickstarter and and contribute joey's a great guy and always been a great supporter of the show and he does great great work so definitely check that yeah, out. yeah i'm
0: so excited to read blonde shop
2: yeah it's, it's really really good um And uh, so, yeah, that's some books we've been reading. But here's some books that are out right now. From Action Lab Entertainment, we've got Skyward, number seven. Um, From Archie Comics, we've got Sonic Super Special Magazine, number 11. And Sonic the Hedgehog, number 260. Um, From Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time, number 28. We have Last Broadcast, number one. And we have Translucid, number two of six. Sweet. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, we've got Axe Cop, The American Choppers, number one. <laughs> we've got BPRD, Hell on Earth, number 119. We've got Brain Boy, The Men from Gestalt, number one of four. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season 10, number three. Dark Horse Presents, number 36. Um, we've got um, Star Wars, Darth Maul, Son of Dathmorir, number one of four. Um, <laughs> Star Wars Legacy 2, Volume 2, oh, that's trade feedback. sorry, The Broken Ring, and Witcher, number 3. From DC Comics, we have American Vampire, Second Cycle, number 3. We've got Batman 66, number 11, another book written by Jeff Parker. Um, we've got Batman and Frankenstein, number 31. Uh, we've got Batman Beyond Universe, number 10. We've got Batman Eternal, number 7. Batman Superman, number 11. Batwoman, number 31. Birds of Prey, number 31. Black Canary and Satana, Bloodspell, hardcover. We've got Forever Evil, number seven of seven crazy times. We've got Green Lantern, New Guardians, number 31. Harley Quinn, number six. Justice League, number 30. Um, Justice League of America, number 14, which is the final issue, which technically should already be over because Justice League United has started. But... (laughs) Delays are delays. Um, um, volume one of The Movement is out uh, this week as well. So we talked about that last week. Definitely pick that up if you guys haven't read it yet. Um, Future's End, number three. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 31. Scribble Knots Unmasked, A Crisis of Imagination, number five. Uh, Sinestro, number two. Supergirl, number 31. Trinity of Sin Pandora, number 11. Unwritten volume two, Apocalypse, number five. And Wonder Woman, number 31. From Dynamite Entertainment, we've got Battlestar Galactica number 11, Flash Gordon number 2, Magnus Robot Fighter number 3, Mark Wade's Green Hornet number 12, Pathfinder City Secrets number 1, we've got Shadow Midnight in Moscow number 1, we've got Shadow Year 1 number 9, Six Million Dollar Man Season 6 number 3, and Solar Man of the Atom number 2. Um, From IDW, we've got Seventh Sword, number two. Danger Girl, Mayday, number two. Dexter's Laboratory, number two. We've got Littlest Pet Shop, number one. Indestructible, number six. Monsters and Madman, number three. My Little Pony Friends Forever, number five. Popeye Classic, number 22. Rogue Trooper, number four. Stage Star Mage, number two. Um, Star Slammers Remastered, number three. We've got Thunder Agents, number eight. We've got... um transformers Windblade number two um and v wars number two both there <laughs> there are trade paperbacks of both more than meets the eye and robots of disguise coming out this week <laughs> so did wouldn't write no matter what he said um from image comics we've got artifacts number 37 east of west number 12 ghosted number 10 invincible number one 11 we've got mercenary c number four mind the gap number 17 mph number one profit number 44 rocket girl number five yes saga number 19 Nice. Uh, undertow number four velvet number five voice in the dark number seven and zero number eight um from marvel comics can we haven't gotten to marvel yet all new dupe number two all new x factor number eight amazing spider-man number two amazing x-men number seven avengers world number six daredevil number three deadpool annual number two electra number two hulk number three um magneto number four we've got miracle man number six nova number 17 original sin number two powers bureau number 10 savage wolverine number 19 thor god of thunder number 22 ultimate ff number two uncanny x-men number 21 Wolverine, the X-Men, number four. And X-Men, number 14. Jesus. Um, from Oni Press, we've got The Bunker, number four. Uh, from Valiant, we've got Unity, number seven. Exo Man of War, number 25. And from Zenoscope we have Grim Fairy Tales Presents, Ascension, number four. Um, Godstorm, Hercules, Pain, number two. Helsing, number two. And Warlord of Oz, number one. Uh, Hot damn. what a lot and of stuff.
3: Speaking oh. of Valiant, there is a Valiant podcast on the site yeah, now.
2: Yes, uh Adam Shaw our valiant guy has begun a uh a talking valiant podcast. Um he thinks it's probably going to be bi-weekly uh from now until they kind of get their rhythm and then he might go to a weekly show. But yeah, definitely check that out as well as talking movies, talking games and the Misfits yes. all part of the the Talking Comics uh network. Um, we got a new, a new
3: episode next week.
2: Yeah, and you have an, you have a Lord of the Rings episode up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you guys Curtis, doing next week?
3: We have Curtis Weeb on next week, all right. and Ooh. we're his topic of choice. Our homework was Muppets. So oh like, my god! <laughs> like all things Muppets, like Fraggle Rock, like Muppet stuff, and uh, you know, like Dark Crystal Labyrinth, any Muppet movies. So nice. awesome,
0: a whole wide world of Muppets. Hey, d- the Jim Henson Puppet Company. Were responsible for the garbage Bell kids oh, look costumes. At that. <laughs> there you go.
3: Well, you should write us an email and tell us how you really feel about that.
0: I think I'm going and we to. We will read
3: it on the air.
0: Well, kalu kale.
3: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> um, look at it, it! All ties in. Yes, it does. It all ties in. So check out all those podcasts on uh, talking movies this week. They did uh, Magnolia. Right now, they're going through Tom Cruise movies, leading up to Edge of Tomorrow. Um, I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, based on a manga so comic book related that movie looks fun on a bun yeah all, uh, a, a manga called all you need is kill which um this is all related as well mara wood um our awesome contributor who is also on the Mitsfits, has started doing a manga mondays mm-hmm. for the site and she's gonna be talking about all you need is kill because of, of, of the movie nice. coming out so definitely check out uh, and talking games obviously every week every thursday you get we get, we get that show
0: yeah this week we're gonna be talking about transistor uh, that just came out today, the new game from um, Supergiant Games, uh, the developers of Bastion. Mm. Um, and uh, Stick It to the Man, mm. new game from Zoink that came out, finished that. Uh, we beat uh,
2: Child of Light, all 100%ed. So we're going to have plenty to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome stuff. Awesome, awesome stuff. And... Um yeah so that's gonna do it for everything we have to say on this show um <laughs> after we say our goodbyes if you guys want to hear about the arrow finale stay tuned after the credits because we're going to talk about the finale and the season and you know kind of what we're excited for about the show um but for steve peace and stephanie Ta-ta. and a big goodbye from bob i have been bobby until next time on talking comics to be continued Everybody who can't be here is gone. We're here to talk about some Arrow. We're here to talk about some Oliver Queen um, and Slade Wilson confrontations. Alicity. <laughs> I told, um, so, uh, Stephanie, we we're, were talking about the finale and, uh, she mentioned in like the, we'll talk, we'll get into this obviously, but the, the rekindling of illicity and I wrote to you, I'm going to ignore the fact that you used that word because if I didn't, we would never, never be friends ever again <laughs> um, to quote him. But so arrow is wrapped up and you know, we've gone obviously through like the full uh, metamorphosis on the show about our, our, our like and dislike of Arrow. We started out very much anti-Arrow and have become, I think, all three very, very big fans mm-hmm. uh, of the show. Huge fans, in fact. Um, so before we get to kind of the details of the finale, what we thought of the finale, um, Stephanie, what did you think of season two as a whole of Arrow?
3: You know, I thought it was really strong. I mean, I, I think it's no secret that I didn't like the majority of the first season. And the second season just shocked me with how they stepped up the game. And, you know, they, they stopped... You know, the, the serial killer, Ollie, and turned him into the hero he should be. And I, I loved the turnaround. The Easter eggs, there was just so many more. And, like, every episode, there was at least, like, two things where I was like, ah, I get it! <laughs> and, you know, it just, like, increases your enjoyment of the show when you have, like, those extra tidbits. Like, um, oh, Detective Lance, you know, his, like, ID badge is, like, DC-52. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Love it. Huh I never
2: noticed that. Yeah, yeah. and they're they're watching Channel Fifty Two. Like that they're like the crappy back Holy thing. Shit. Yeah, it's like the same woman too. That's like she's just,
0: That's so cool. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even I didn't even pick on up, up on that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And there's that's one of the cool things I and I actually agree with you, Stephanie. They kind of started it near like the end of season one, but definitely in season two, I feel like they kind of had the reins taken off of them as far as I think the show was successful, and so I, I feel like the network is just like, just be a comic book show. You know, and yeah. they, and they really, they really started rolling back a lot of their um. What would it be like if it was real things? You know that they were very much falling in that Christopher Nolan, I think, type of of mold, where they were trying to give everything kind of real world relevance and and make it realistic, and you know there wouldn't be super powered people because of this and that. And this season they completely rolled that back. Obviously, we started from the Mirakuru stuff with with Slade and and really making him Deathstroke. Which it's crazy at all that Deathstroke was a character in a major television show. um, To obviously all the stuff with Barry, which we're gonna we're gonna get to, Mm. and creating the superpowers for those people, um, we really saw those things start to roll back and them to embrace the comic book stuff and to reference stuff. You know that that is little stuff here and there. They reference the movement for God's sakes on the show at, at one point or another. Um, lots of characters, lots of names thrown in there that are just are out there, and I love the world building they're doing. And I think, I think, see, the end of season one, I thought was very, very strong. And I think the finale of season one is really, really fantastic. I think that was the moment in the show where I realized when I got caught up in the emotional aspects of the show that I realized I was watching it more than just oh, this is fun. You know, I was in, engr- I was engrossed in the, yeah. the the characters and what they were doing, and I think that. Yeah. This season has really seen Stephen Amell really come into his own as that character to the point where I I think they'd be foolish if they decide to do Green Arrow in a movie not to use him in in the movie. I think it would just be foolish at this point. Um, I love the way the the development. I think in the first season, I feel like Felicity saved that show in a lot of ways. I feel like her character brought it back and started making it relatable and gave Ollie somebody to relate to. Other than you know the, the people in this life that we'd kind of been exposed to before, and I think along with Felicity, the character of Diggle as well, were very instrumental in that show being um, getting get us getting through the beginning, which I thought wasn't very good, and going into a really 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 good to great show.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And this season, I feel like I, when they first brought her back, I felt like I was going to really dislike the character because I felt like it was gimmicky. But when they brought back Sarah, uh, Sarah Lance. Um, I, I really thought I was gonna dislike the character, and I grew to really, really like her a lot. And I feel like they they brought a strong character into the fold who could be Ollie's equal. They gave Ollie a black canary that was kind of that that matched him in, in just about every way. And I thought that was great too. I think bringing those relationships forward was awesome. Um, and I feel like finally, in the, like the last three episodes of the this season, Laurel is no longer like the worst. Uh, yeah. I'd say
3: the last yeah. episode, last two.
2: The last two. Well, I said last three. Sorry, the last two. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Last two, she was she was not no longer a wet blanket. She was no longer telling people to stop doing things. She was trying to help. She was active in participating in what she wanted to do. And I don't think that she's at the point yet where she is, you know, a character that I I, I absolutely embrace. But I think that she's a long way from what she was for the first, really, almost full two seasons of the show. Um, she's still probably my least favorite character on the show, but I feel like there's been Actually, a lot done.
3: Actually, I'm, I'm starting to hate Thea a little bit, like, on the oh, same Thea. level <laughs> as Laurel. Not quite as much, but they'd redeemed Thea and started to make her a great character, and now she's back to being, like, a whiny twat.
2: Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what happens <laughs> with that stuff. I mean, the, also, there was the bring back of Malcolm Merlin in the last uh... episode, which I... Which, I mean, I don't understand why you don't like that. John Barrowman is awesome. I love I,
3: John Barrowman.
2: And I thought he was great. And near the end of the first season, I thought he was awesome as that character. I'm just, so I'm just getting there's sick a of, stuff of the to do. same.
3: Like, my problem not with is, isn't necessarily with the character. It's just that they, they draw things out too long with the villains. Like, I, I realize what they're setting up. And I, I'm more excited to have that aspect of him in the show carrying on. Like, her kind of potentially transforming into Artemis and all that. Mm. Um, but like I just if he's not going to be a bad guy if he's just going to train Thea and be you know this quality daddy time with Thea and then I could probably dig that I don't want him back to be an asshat though like the Slade thing got dragged out for too long for me yeah, I don't
2: think he's going to be the main villain in the next I season I really but see, hope I want to get Steve's opinion just on the, the season as a whole Sorry, what did on. you think of it <laughs> uh, I dug it I dug it a lot more than season one
0: one of the things that this show has going for it for me is the whole character turnaround thing. There were a lot of characters that I flat out did not enjoy at all at the start of the show. Uh, some of them I still don't, but there are other characters like detective Lance couldn't stand detective Lance when he first came onto the scene, but I always knew that there was going to be something about him. There's something underlying about him that I liked. Um, by the end of season two, he's—I wouldn't—he's probably one of my favorite characters. Uh, I like the warmth that he gives off, and I like his respect for the Arrow mm-hmm. and his respect for for their relationship in that world. And when he's talking to Laurel, and he's saying, "You know, I don't know who he is. I don't want to know who he is, even though he knows." <laughs> but he's he's pinning it that way, and he gives that speech about. You know, it's not important who's under the mask. It's what they are and what they are for this city. Mm. Um, I want to try to get away from, and I know it's part of the part of the character, but I want to try to get away from Ali blaming himself for every little thing that goes on. The amount of times it could be a drinking game of "This is my fault. <laughs> this is my fault." Everything is not your fault, dude. There are other factors in play. Uh, really, really like the island stuff a yeah. lot better in season two than in season one. Um, the wigs got a little bit better, not by much, but um, the stuff with Shadow and stuff with Sarah and Ivo and Slade and that whole progression. I mean, by the time that you get to the finale, um, when you're having your, your final battle scene, when it's it's flashing forward and flashing back and the, the two battles are happening at the same yeah, time. I love that scene. Yeah, and they're going, you know, onto the boat, back to the to the lair or whatever the hell they're in. And it's really, like, kinetic and really cool, and it was, like, motion picture-like stuff Mm -hmm. happening on your television, Mm -hmm. that TV is getting to the point where we have huge stars coming on to do shows now, that it's it's a place that, in the last, like, two years or so, has really, really seen, like, a boost in quality as far as entertainment goes, Um I don't know if we're talking spoilers yet. No, we're so this is all spoilers. Okay. Yeah. Um I'm really I, I do not like Laurel. I hear everything that you're saying about her and I I agree that those things are there. Uh for me, I'm not there yet because I've I've hated her from the get-go for so long for t- for two whole seasons that three or four episodes of her being like cool with things isn't it's not going to sway me yet. Um, And I see something happening with her that I don't like. I don't like that Sarah gave her the jacket and she's like, oh, it looks good on you. And she's getting all giddy. And she's Mm -hmm. like, ooh, Mm -hmm. I got it. No, don't get any ideas, Laurel. Mm -hmm. I don't, if we come back in season three and she's like, she's trained and she's doing her thing and stuff like that, I'm going to be a little upset because I don't feel like her place within that circle has been earned. Mm-hmm. as far as her being like a legitimate badass right because so far she's just been the the helpless victim the thorn in the side or you know the 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 quiz the quizzical you know lawyer da mm. person thing the whole stint with her going to aa and the drinking i just don't i don't care i mm. don't like you i don't care they have a lot of work to do with her to get me on her side it's gonna take a lot mm-hmm. um but beyond that, I like the other stuff. I do like the Thea and Malcolm Merlin stuff because I really like I like the Malcolm Merlin character. Mm-hmm. I like that he's a part of something that we haven't seen yet, that he might even be tied in with Rachel Ghoul and they're hinting that he was brought back to life through the Lazarus pits. Mm-hmm. If we're going to start bringing Lazarus pits into Arrow, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, the Suicide Squad stuff was cool. Mm-hmm. Um Amanda Waller is is a bit over the top, but she's kind of over the top. Anyway, you know, so that's cool. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, overall, just a really, really great direction and really liked the uh, I don't want to put a a short on uh, Roy Roy's character either. Yeah, really well handled as as tiresome as some of the Mirakuru back and forth stuff was Mm -hmm. with him with him maybe being under the influence and the whole shaky Roy thing for maybe an episode too long. Yeah. But as far as the actor and as far as the way that he handled it, really cool. And I like that. I like where he is now. Yeah. He's got his mask. He's trained. And he had the Mirakuru boost to, you know, expedite the situation. Mm-hmm. That's the thing with Laurel is she'd be fresh. Like, she's thrown a punch every
2: now and again. But... She's not trained for this stuff. No, no. And I, I agree with you. I, I the one thing about the show I always say is I I feel like when they start going down an avenue, they tend to they, they tend to earn like that avenue, like you know, they they I I I actually you know Ollie starts out as that killer in the first season and he becomes this hero, and even though I don't love the fact that he killed a lot of people at the beginning, I love that he has a journey like that and I love that they committed yeah. to it. it. Happened slowly, it didn't happen yeah. immediately, and I like that about it. Um, and I mentioned too the guy who played Sebastian Blood. Yeah, I thought was awesome. I think it was a that was a great ongoing There's story. A guy from True
3: Blood. Is he from True Blood? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Who's he in True Blood? Lafayette boyfriend from like season <gasps> you're
0: right <Yeah. laughs> oh wow he's like the nurse okay.
3: guy
0: yeah. yeah yeah totally um sorry go ahead you yeah. know what i want in in season three i want a new character or character brought into the universe that is a legitimately good match for ollie because mm-hmm. obviously they like to put him in relationships and they like to do the whole love triangle or you know whatever i don't i enough of the laurel back and forth if she's going to become you know a part of the team or or she's going to be taking on a, a character of her own. She's going to be a superhero or whatnot. Let that be what it is, and focus on her her journey of becoming, uh, you know, a character that's in the team that helps them. Don't do the whole, you know, now that Sarah's out of the picture, and you know we know that it's not Felicity. Sarah's be not out of the picture. Lore. I
3: refuse to accept it. La 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 la. <laughs>
0: well, she said she'd be back. She said she'd be back. Yeah, yeah. but I just I want I, if they're going to do that stuff. Because that's the stuff that I'm not interested in in the show. Mm. That's the melodrama shit that I don't care about. But
2: they've done, to be fair to them... It's been better. It's, it, it's been, Not only been better, it's been less. They've done yeah. so much less of it. That's why I'm saying, yeah. if they're going
0: to do it... Yeah. I, w- I personally would like to see a new character come onto the scene, and there's a chemistry, and it works. There's too much... Uh, there There's too much backlog animosity, and she was against the mother, and she's doing this and doing that, and old flames
2: die hard i i'm so done with it well they're gonna end up together though because it's laurel lance and it's black canary and green arrow She and, is
3: not the black canary you but take, she
2: is the black canary back, that's the, what she is you in the just comics take
3: it back <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you at some point i didn't happen this season sarah's gonna die nope and you take
1: it back you shut your she's mouth she's gonna take over
2: the mantle i'm telling mouth. you right that's not i'm just telling you that's what's gonna, gonna happen
0: die, we hate her um, well, what do we think's gonna happen to lance because he he went down
2: yeah i know i think that's i that was that was a weird ending and i want to talk about the finale a little bit just in specifics um you know, I I know, Stephanie. You mentioned the, the the Slade stuff, and I don't feel the way you feel about it. I, I don't feel like it was too drawn out. I loved like every single moment. Arrow. Yeah, Manu Bennett was was on the screen as Slade Wilson, and I thought that. That their battle at the end was so like we talked about before so well put together and it was very satisfying for me mm-hmm. I do not feel like this finale is as good as the season one finale because I think the Tommy Merlin stuff in the season one finale is the best probably one of the best moments the show has ever done and they really kind of did that moment again in the second season but three, two episodes before when they did the Seeing Red episode right. with the mother with the mother dying which was a, was a great episode um, I think the finale was a very good episode it wasn't the best episode of Arrow wasn't even the best finale of the two but i did like a lot of the stuff that was happening i liked the action i thought they did a very good job with the action um you know i there were i loved seeing roy you know un un, unroid raged and putting on that mask you know that was very Mm -hmm. like that was really cool to see him kind of in the red arrow speedy arsenal kind of look to him i was very happy about that and you know, I like the idea of these people who were not um, like. The, I like the League of Assassins coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that that was a pretty cool twist they used. I like the idea of what Diggle's thing was doing, but I I felt like that scene like pr- served no purpose. Just like them holding up Amanda Waller, you know, because yeah. she didn't stop the missile because they were holding her up. She stopped the missile because Ollie won, you know. So I felt like that, which like we need for something of Diggle to do. In this episode, so let's have him do this.
0: Well, now he's gotta have—he's gonna be having a kid.
2: Yeah, I know. But which is also weird. Also weird thing to bring I up. Um, we got Deadshot back as well because I think they wanted to do that, which was cool because I think he's been really good on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of that scene. I feel like what they did just didn't like—you know—didn't work. Um, but and I like the addition of uh, Supermax at the end because that's like a really famous DC yeah. universe prison. Doing that, um, and I like the idea that Slade is not done you know i think he's gonna be away and he, but he there's a time where he could come back um which i also like
0: they didn't show us how long that ladder is that he <laughs> has to climb up to get out of that porthole thing yeah. that didn't look very secure to me <laughs> he's like you're in purgatory i'm like really because he's <laughs> on a sunny beach he's and... back on
3: the island
2: yeah that's back on the island yeah mm. um
3: I, Stephanie, island. I know you have
2: you have some some strong feelings about the, the finale
3: i I just didn't think it was strong. The season, like, Bobby, you and I talked about this, like, throughout the Mm. show airing. Like, there were so many moments where I was just genuinely floored by how much I loved what was happening. And I just didn't get, I I expected, like, a lot more from this show. And, you know, I was really sick of the island stuff. But what they built up for next season, the, was it Shanghai or Hong Kong? I think it was Hong Kong, I think. I'm just not stoked for that. I don't. Care. i don't like amanda waller in the show so far i'm not stoked to have more of her in the show hmm. um i just everything that they set up for me because that was the whole show you know the whole show was setting everything up for next season and be like look at this bah! look at this bah! and i was just like every time they were like look at this thing i was just like oh <laughs> well i have no interest in any of this You've gotten rid of Sarah, you've made Laurel, who's an insufferable wet blanket, you know, and slightly less so the prominent character for next season. The good character, you know, the father who we liked, you're now in the process of killing.
2: I don't think he's going to be dead. Thea and
3: Roy's relationship, which was the only thing that made Thea actually not insufferable, has ended. Now Mm -hmm. she's going off with the insufferable villain from season one, and (laughs) she's insufferable again. Like, (laughs) There's just so many things that they had done right, and they undid them all in this one episode for me. And, like, well, okay. I liked Manu Bennett a lot. I really do like him as Slate. I thought he was great, truly. And I, I, it was drawn out for me, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that he was fantastic as Deathstroke, and mm-hmm. he was just fantastic in the show, period. But I just, I got, I got sick of his motives, and I know, like, Shadow was kind of... The, the Mirakuru and his he, him thinking that she was there mm-hmm. was warping him, but the vendetta for me was just so stupid that even though there was that, I couldn't get behind it. It was just like, why are you mad at him? like you legitimately not not even a crazy person can justify this <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I think a crazy person probably could justify it that's why they're crazy.
3: Uh, but like you know, how
2: gonna kill you?
3: It was just there was just a lot that didn't add up Take for me the in the end, love. and I wish that it had because the season itself was really strong, mm. and yeah. I I really want like Helena to come back too, and I don't know because so far out of what's left of the female cast, she's the only person that I don't want to punch in the ovaries.
2: You don't like Nissa.
3: I like Nissa, but she's not going to be in it really. Yeah, I don't think. Sexy assassin. <laughs> I like Nyssa a lot, but she's been in two episodes, and she's been yeah. a loved, fucking debag the whole time too. Yeah. I
0: loved uh, Lance's response when he found out that Sarah and Nyssa had been together. Yeah, he's like,
2: "Oh, oh, well, that's okay." <laughs> that's a decent impression of, of Detective Lance. Well, he's got that. He's got that little bit of a list. I know. Yeah, I know. Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> Laurel. <laughs> um. Uh, so what do you think of the finale, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm
0: yeah, I liked it. I, I like the show. I look, compared to other comic book shows that have been on, I give Arrow a lot of credit for turning me around so hard on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um and unlike Steph, I am excited for some of the stuff that they've set up because that show manages to to take things that I sometimes I don't approve of or I'm not excited for, it, and they managed to turn it into something interesting and make me mm. care about it. Um, like I said, that biggest thing for that show for me is the turnaround. If they could turn Laurel around in season three, I'm not going to have much left to complain about. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I am liked it. I liked it. I didn't think it was perfect. I didn't think it was as, as emotionally satisfying as the first. Mm. Uh, I definitely think that even though... I did not like the triangle aspect, the third wheel Tommy stuff, mm-hmm. and felt that he was a little bit of a man child towards <laughs> the end, a little bit of a baby. Uh, the When he died, that scene between him and Ollie, um, that is the kind of scene that stays with you. Mm-hmm. And I felt the guilt that Ollie feels going forward in the series, um, I felt was really well executed. And when he feels that way, I feel like it's legit.
2: Yeah, I liked that, that scene because I think that the the island turns him into the vigilante mm-hmm. but tommy really his death turns him into the arrow you know it turns right. him into the green arrow it turns him into the hero and i like that about, about that story and felicity is the anchor she is definitely the anchor and, and um so that's kind of what we feel about the finale uh qu- really quickly i mean this obviously is spawning into we're going to see the flash uh next next year on the on the cw Did did you guys watch the the five minute teaser Mm -hmm. thing? Yep. What'd you think? Awesome.
3: I'm (laughs) awesome. I'm way more excited for like the new Flash than I am Mm -hmm. for the third season of Arrow.
2: Yeah, I mean, as a Flash fan, it was there was no, everything I could possibly want. Is it Weather Wizard? Weather Wizard? It's crazy that they're doing that right away. Um, and they pointed to the fact that there's other metahumans out there. They actually said the, the term metahumans. So I mean, we're gonna, we're going to see them all. We're going to see Captain Cold. We're going to see you know Mirror do, Master. Do we think that that was a trailer for just the? It's probably just the pilot really first. Okay, the pilot. Yeah, um,
0: that's a lot of ground to
2: cover. Yeah, I love that. I think he looks great as the role. I think he has the right attitude. I love that the show. I love that the creators and look. I mean, it's they're, they're comic book guys. Jeff Johns is like his favorite hero in the world is the Flash. He obviously he's working on the show and he knows. But I really like Arrow. Arrow was very somber and very dark. The Flash doesn't need to be very somber and very dark. And mm-hmm. from that trailer, it seems like there is definitely a different tone. To, to the flash stuff
0: i like that the two kids are the two lab assistants yeah are coming over yeah from arrow because i really enjoyed them and i was like
3: i see more of them I, oh I figured look they the were trail. because like yeah. they're big actors and actresses that i've seen in other things they're the
0: fitz and simmons of the DC.
2: they are
3: <laughs> yeah i've seen them in other things so like i knew they had to be they had to have a big part in something and it makes sense that that's a flash
2: yeah um and she actually turns into a, a a, a big character in the DC universe Ooh. Uh, the the female um, lab assistant but I, I love the, the, the way that he runs I mean it, it looks like a comic book like I love the lightning and red flying off him when, when he runs and I think that they it seems like from that five minutes they, they nail the tone obviously we won't know until we see the whole show as soon as they nail the tone I mean the big, the first thing you see is what will essentially be the reverse flash killing his yeah. mother which that's a crazy comic book thing to do that's a very comic book thing to do a very in-depth story to be setting up in the pilot, which they probably won't get to for a very long time, I'm going to assume. Um, so I think they, it looks like they nailed the character. That that thing got me very excited. It was really funny because I, I texted Brian. I said, you got to watch this. And he goes, the only thing I think is a little cheesy is the conversation with uh, um, the arrow on the roof. And I was like, what about like the wear the mask thing? He's like, no, he's just, he's just so serious, the arrow. And I was like, that is the least serious I've ever seen him in anything, <laughs> he smiles and makes a joke which is more than he's ever done i think in the two seasons unless he's pretending to be a drunk um an arrow but yeah i'm super excited about the flash i can't wait to see what what, what comes from it mm-hmm. um so yeah that's gonna wrap up our our arrow discussion if you guys have any thoughts you know podcast at talking comic com at talking comics on twitter and facebook.com slash talking comics but if you're gonna talk spoilers make sure you email us so no one gets spoiled on, on the boards or um um on in any of the um yeah the social networks Watch them spoilers. Alright, so that's gonna do it for our little after credit sequence. Um, we will see you guys next week.